0: Talk Live, and you can join us here if you want to bring up whatever is on your mind. The number is 603 283 6160. That's 603 283 6160. Joining you in the studio tonight, it's Ian and Chris. Of course, you can bring up whatever's on your mind. You can join us online as well. Just head over to freetalklive.com and enjoy the various features. And we have for you there coming up, uh, looks like Donald Trump has adopted the new hot Republican line of advocating for an escalation in the war on drugs, specifically attacking drug cartels in Mexico with the actual U.S. military. We can talk about that coming up here. But Chris, you have an update on a story we covered, I think sometime late last year, Where there was some talk about, and I thought it had already occurred. I thought there was already a bill that passed about this. But what you're going to tell us here is the bill just passed. And it's in regards to the new mandate that they're going to be shoving down everybody's throat come, I believe, 2026, if I recall correctly, where every new car that is sold has to have a breathalyzer active in it. And I believe it has to be active for everybody who drives it. All the time. Am I right about that? That's right. Yeah. Where's uh, the story coming from? So this
1: is so this is the story <laughs> okay, so unfortunately there's no like updated article. Um it seems to have gotten swept under the rug, but it mm. did pass as part of the infrastructure bill. Uh-huh. Uh they basically hid the in car breathalyzer bill in that. And uh
0: Well it's not like they had to hide the things. I understand it, the <laughs> politicians were all about this particular bill. Because who could be in favor of drunk driving? Right, if you're not in favor of this bill, kind of like the Patriot Act, right? Oh, you don't want to be unpatriotic, so you have to sign and agree to all this well, big government. I mean, you might be when you're
1: uh, when you happen to have a I don't know, it was a poppy seed and, and your breathalyzer, your car won't let you start the car because of the breathalyzer test.
0: I don't um, think that poppy seeds are going to trigger trigger it. It's looking know, for alcohol. I
1: don't know right? if it's uh, poppy seeds, but I know there's there's certain things you can have in the morning that can cause uh, these these systems to fail. Um, mm, could I've be some not, mouthwash that's
0: got alcohol. Oh, in that's it. what. I, yeah, that's yeah. The, probably the one I'm thinking. Poppy of. seeds are going to trick a uh, yeah. heroin
1: test. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I'm thinking of the wrong, uh, the wrong item there, but uh, definitely, um, there's going to be a lot of people who have cars in the near future who that won't start mm-hmm. because you know
0: alcohol in the breath. Well, and and also purportedly they would not only not start, but they I believe are supposed to shut down in the instance that they detect that you are drinking in the car. It, you know, you know what's interesting about this story
1: is people who have I, – I, and I'm one of those people. I've never been uh, – I've never had a breathalyzer, right? I've never been – I've never – Me you know, neither, right? actually, like, come to think of so, it. So, I don't know. Like, I wouldn't know all the different issues that they have, but I know they're very problematic for those who yes. have had them, even when they're not drinking and driving,
0: right? Well, I, I'll take this – I'll take it back. I have had a private breathalyzer. There was an ex-girlfriend of mine. There was like you could order them online – and so she had purchased her own breathalyzer. So I've tested a breathalyzer, okay. but not in the circumstance of like having a police administered breathalyzer. I've not had that happen. Sure. And of course, you know, the cheaper they are, the less accurate that they tend to be. They also apparently expire over time. There's some sort of a, again, I'm not very familiar with it. Probably maybe a little more familiar with it than you, but not that much. Uh, you have to keep, like, I don't know if it's like a cartridge or something. There's something mm-hmm. that goes in there, if it's a chemical or what it is, but it expires. And so you have to, like, keep it up to date. You have to yeah. get fresh ones or whatever. and They're, so, they're
1: expensive, too.
0: Well, um, I mean, that you can get a cheapy breathalyzer, and that's the thing. Like, you get what you pay for. Yeah, also of course. A, a if you get a cheapy breathalyzer and the car doesn't start, I mean... <laughs> Well, and I'm sure this will be a very expensive breathalyzer because it's gonna, you know, it's gonna be some good old boy, somebody yep. with political connections who's gonna get the mandate to install these things. And well, anyway, uh, if you, the reason why the police take uh, you back to the station and do a proper breathalyzer, like they've got an actual mm-hmm. desk, unit yeah. at the station, it's chemical because that is one what has called. been. Uh, calibrated or it's at least supposed to be calibrated regularly and it's generally considered more reliable uh, although there's been a lawsuit about those and i don't know what the the status yeah of that lawsuit there's was. i
1: know there's police uh, departments who are not maintaining their chemical breathalyzers and that's the reason for the for one of the, that lawsuit that you're referencing i
0: think it wasn't that they weren't maintaining it i think that the whole thing was like called into question and i i'm sorry i don't remember the details on that but maybe um, that's a different story yeah. But anyway, that's the idea is like the ones that are for the side of the road are just to give you an initial result. And then you take them back to the big breathalyzer at the uh, at the station. So now they're going to be doing mandatory breathalyzers in cars. What else do we need to know about it? Um, Yeah, that's a good question.
1: Um, So, yeah, it's basically it was hidden in a 2702 page bipartisan infrastructure plan.
0: I'm sure all of the uh, representatives read all 2000 pages. Oh, I'm sure they did. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just like all the people who are now going to be subject uh, to this 2,000-page piece of legislation, every single one of the American people is going to sit down and read this 2,000-page legislation, right? Yeah, yeah, right. The question actually should be, how yeah. many Americans have actually read this 2,000-page legislation? And it wouldn't surprise me if not even the people who wrote the legislation have read the entire thing, because likely sections of it were written by different oh, yeah, you know, for sure. lawyers and different uh, law clerks or whatever, and it's all been cobbled together, and then they just passed the thing. Yep. I mean, so has one single person— In the entire 330 million United States people, has one of them read all 2,000 pages of this? You know, and the interesting
1: thing is a lot of times these bills, they get pushed forward uh, and made public only just before the vote. So nobody could even read them even if they wanted to. And you get politicians saying, well, you have to pass it in order to be able to read it or something to that effect. I mean, some really absurd statements, but this is the kind of stuff that's actually coming out of politicians' mouths.
0: It's amazing. I, I would put money on that there's not a single person who's read this bill. In, in full, yeah. I, yeah, I'd, yeah. I'd, I'd, I'd wager I know, on that one. I for know sure.
1: um, some of the techniques they use in order to, mm, how do I say this? Uh, I want to say, I want to kind of use the word analyze, but that's probably not quite the right word. But basically figure out what's in it. Mm-hmm. And um, basically it's, I, I, there's like different tools for people to look through these bills mm. and figure out what's in it without actually reading them uh, to some degree. Right. Sure. Um, and that, that, this is literally how like lawyers and things look
0: through these bills often, mm. um, is, is, you know, because they, they couldn't read the whole bill. Sure. I mean, even if you could read the whole bill again, it's written in legalese. So, I mean, I understand lawyers are better at reading legalese, but it still is a time consuming activity. Like if you know what legalese means, You're ahead of the game, but you still, when you're reading a law or a proposed change to the law it'll say things like oh well this modifies section xyz yep. of 123 and then you got to go look up xyz 123 just to see what the old thing well, says and see how this fits into it, it. i mean it's <laughs> not it's not just that you can sit there and read through the 2000 pages and then say you're done yeah. you have to understand what they're trying the, to do the, the entertaining part of it too is
1: you can have the exact same bill passed in multiple in all, in all 50 states even right mm-hmm. and at the same time, that bill is going to mean different things in different states because of something called case law. Mm. So they basically will have interpretations in your state by you know as as the you know cases come up re- re- pertaining to that 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 law, um, they will be interpreted differently. So something that you know mean, a word that means one thing in one state might mean something entirely different in another state, even though it's the same exact law.
0: Mm-hmm. What else?
1: Um. So yeah. So uh, basically, uh, it, this could take the form of so. So these monitoring. Uh, we don't know exactly what's going to come uh, because it could take the pa- it could take the form of passive monitoring. But one of the things that could happen with that is if it takes the form of passive monitoring, it could end up getting set off by passengers as opposed to
0: drivers. Yeah, that was one of the concerns. I mean, I remember when we were first talking about it, they were discussing the potential uh, detection methods and. The classic method, of course, is there's like a tube that you have to blow into before it will allow you to start the car. That's the, I believe, the traditional, probably still being used to this day Mm, system. Uh, This would uh, bypass that. This would say, no, we're not going to use that technology. We want to use something newer, and more expensive, probably. So they were talking about like, um, I think one of them was some kind of uv detection that came off the steering wheel or something so it could somehow detect the blood alcohol content through your fingers or through the palm of your hand as you're gripping the steering wheel, something crazy sounding like that. And then of course there was another one where there would be some kind of a sniffer that would be sniffing the air content in the car, but that would be obviously potentially set off by a passenger in that particular case. I know
1: one, uh, there was a patent actually recently filed like super recently, like in the past couple of months. um, Also, you know, in relation to this. So, it's somebody is looking to make some money off it is, oh, yeah. is clearly what's I, I think what's going on here. Um, Obviously that's going to be the case. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this stuff doesn't wouldn't end up in a, in a, uh, a bill probably if it wasn't somebody making money on it. Yeah. So um, yeah, there's uh, all sorts of, all sorts of stuff that's happening. Um, there's uh there's uh, so let's see here. What else we have? Um, So the safety uh, provisions of the framework don't stop at in-car breathalyzers. On top of anti-impaired driver tech, the spending plan also requires rear guards for semi-trucks to protect passenger vehicles who may rear-end them in the car. Don't ask me. An in-car reminder every time the engine stops for drivers to check their brake seats, at least they forget their kids in a hot car and a study about whether federal crash test dummies... Accurately measure the impacts on women, the old and the young.
0: Yeah, so it's it's got like... <sighs> Hold all s- on. Read that list uh, one more <laughs> time. Okay. Let's take it one at all a time. Right.
1: On the top of the anti-impaired driver tech, this spending plan also requires rear
0: guards for semi-trucks to protect passenger... Whoa, is there a comma there? Rear guards for semi-trucks, comma, and then we're getting to another thing? Or is it rear trucks for semi-trucks to protect passengers? (laughs) No comma. (laughs) Okay. Keep going with that then. Uh, To protect passenger vehicles who may rear-end them. Okay. How is that going to do anything? I don't know. An in-car... Rear guards. I'm sorry. Rear guards for the trucks. Sorry. I was thinking of it in in the reverse. So for passenger vehicles... So there's some so they want to add a bumper or something like that I to guess. the back of uh, semi trucks. Uh, sounds like it. Okay. An in-car reminder every time the
1: engine stops for drivers to check their brake seats. This is is there a comma there? I'm sorry. Every uh, time the wait, engine no, no, no. stops, comma. An in-car reminder every time the engine stops, there's no comma here, for drivers to check their back seats least they forget their kids in a hot car i I did read that wrong uh slightly but yeah okay wow so yeah you need to be reminded that you have kids apparently (laughs) and if you don't have kids (laughs) you're gonna get reminded anyway i I guess don't
0: forget the kids
1: you know wow i the funny thing about this is this is the sort of thing that just you end up learning to ignore
0: the the beeps and the lights yeah, and things right? like that. It's
1: mm-hmm. one thing if it's used sparingly, but when you're Every used time. when it's used constantly, yeah. it it you, you ignore it. And, and and I think the best example of this is actually um uh, I think it was Windows. One version of Windows, they started popping up warning messages all Time
0: mm-hmm.
1: and it just got to a point where nobody ever read the security warning sure. messages so what good what the security warning messages
0: just dismiss 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 dismiss, dismiss. Yeah, it's just no it was way. just
1: automatic and right I, I i didn't really run into that too much myself because i don't, I don't use windows but it's just it's the it's this logic it, you know it's this faulty logic that oh if we just warn people about stuff listen chris if it just saves one life but it doesn't. It actually makes you less safe. Um, mm. It kind of reminds me of uh. Actually, this goes to traffic, not computers, at this point. But they, I, there was uh, they, you know how many? You know, there's signs all over the place. Well, there's some mm. intersections that are particularly uh, have a lot of signs.
0: Oversigned. Yeah. yeah.
1: And what they found was removing signs actually reduced the number of car
0: accidents. Yes, I, I believe that was Denmark. Uh,
1: I, I think years you ago. might be right.
0: Yeah, they found that. Not only did it reduce car accidents, but also it increased driver safety. So, yeah, <laughs> like I guess this sort of an obvious example would be if you're driving around a cliff and there's not a bunch of like guardrails or whatever that are that are on the edge of the cliff. Are you going to be more cautious about how you drive around that <laughs> cliff? You damn right you are. You're not. You know you can't rely on that piece of metal. Between you and going off the cliff, so you drive a lot more careful. Oh, yeah. in that case. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, and that was a study that was that was done years ago. We've been talking about that for a long time, and I, I suspect it's been reproduced. I mean, I would hope that it's been reproduced. I, I mean, it's it's not really surprising,
1: and I no, it's I not. think we've. I don't know that we've reproduced that. I don't know if that study was been reproduced like specifically, but I think you can certainly look at other examples of if you
0: put something in people's faces too much Mm -hmm. it actually has the opposite effect well and you can see video from some countries where they show like an intersection in i don't know india or something like that where they don't have the kind of budget for road safety technology that they do in the united states or in europe or whatever and and it looks like pure anarchy with just people just turning whenever they can turn and people going in whatever direction they can get away with going and it seems like it works out you know it looks weird to those of us who are used to obeying the traffic lights and things like that but it's just humans making decisions uh about what to do and obviously there's going to be accidents in that circumstance but there's obviously accidents today regardless of all of the the traffic control devices that they put into place so i think that having more ability to make decisions on the road is, is a better thing. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I mean,
1: it, you know, you're never going to get, you know, the uh, b- safety is
0: never, you're never going to get safety 100%. No, not, of course not, not. Not when you're dealing with a 2,000-pound uh, hur- hurtling piece of metal. And but The problem <laughs> is that you really shouldn't aim
1: for perfection because the more uh, perfection you try to gain, mm-hmm. often you just increase the dangers or Uh, You increase the costs to a point where you actually end up causing harm as Mm. a result. Like, you know, for example, um, you know, uh, maybe there's more people you know walking to work or something like that as opposed to driving because you know in in walking to work in dangerous circumstances like on the side of a highway or something like that because they can't afford cars they can't right, afford people the vehicles. Vehicles. right
0: they're getting crazy expensive they've had all these mm-hmm. mandates for so long uh, there's the EPA and the California mandates that they have to put in all these uh, this equipment under the hood that doesn't have to be there for in quote unquote environmental reasons, yep. and that's been going on for decades. And now add to that all these mandates about you know having a breathalyzer in cab and mandatory warnings that you might have a kid in the back of the car. I mean, I just can't even. I now I'm wondering what that's going to be like. I, I mean, what I does can that imagine going? you know all these.
1: You know, it's it's interesting because there's already I find vehicles uh and i, I think I'm, I'm i'm sure i'm not the only one but the beeps in vehicles to be distracting and mm-hmm, to not sure. know what they mean in the first place right like so now you're going to add more beeping what's in what's that what's that right like <laughs> and now i'm looking like is that my phone instead is that, of looking you know, at a the GPS? road right, right navigation yeah. right instead of looking at the road is that my kids in the back seat yeah. that i don't have i mean <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's so stupid i mean i I think you were the one who said that you actually prefer cars pre a certain year because there's certain tech that was mandated, like black boxes or whatever, after a certain year.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, probably, I think, uh, pre-1996 is uh, like the optimal, but unfortunately, that's... I mean, (laughs) there's not that many, you know, pre-1996 vehicles on the road and the ones that are, you know, not. So I don't have a pre-1996 vehicle, but basically they uh, instituted a law. I think think, I'm pretty sure it was 1996 or right around there um, that basically mandated black boxes in Mm -hmm. all vehicles uh, built after that year, right around that time Mm -hmm. frame. So that's one of the reasons I'm not a big fan of, you know, more modern vehicles. But. It's even worse with even newer vehicles. Now they've got, like, GPS devices that record, you know, your location in them
0: and, you know, all sorts of other... Literal computer (sighs) systems that are constantly transmitting data, perhaps, or whatever. And and being able to shut down your car remotely, which is, again, what they're likely Mm going to do with this breathalyzer mandate. Because they know, you know, drunks are sneaky, right? Like, they know, okay, I'm blowing the tube to start the car and then they can start drinking, right? But that's why, you know, they're going to keep checking you as you're driving. And if it detects alcohol, it's going to probably take over control of the car, pull the car to the side of the road, and then call the police. Yeah. And, and you know, it's, it's kind of
1: sad, uh, but oftentimes people will take their kids uh, with them uh, when they're drunk and have so, them blow right, on Right. So the, that the yeah. kid can blow into yeah. them. But the other thing that's also uh, one of the other dangers of these uh, breath breath tests uh, or breathalyzers Mm -hmm. um, is that because they, people have to actually like use them while they're driving and they're really challenging to use. It actually creates another hazard there. So it's, you know, and and this is what people are not drunk, right? Yeah. So if you're randomly uh forced to use that breathalyzer, as I understand that that's how I these think that's things how work. They work. Yeah. Yeah. Um. And that's that's and as you pointed out, that's it's the objective of that is to stop somebody who's not drunk from using the breathalyzer and then allowing you to drive off drunk. Um, right. but that doesn't really stop the, uh, stop somebody from driving drunk if they take their kid with them, right? right. They just have the kid blow into them while well, they're Well, that's driving. why
0: they're going to come up with something that is less, uh, or more difficult to, to fool. They're going to have a new system. There's going to be some new tech, uh, that's going to be mandated. And that's why, that's why this has been passed. They're, they're going to get rid of the tube thing and they're going to put something fancy and more expensive in its place. And and it's gonna be two uh, massive applause. You know, it's gonna be a, a lot of people are gonna be you know, cheering this on. They're gonna say, "Yeah, we got to do everything that it takes I, to I stop think- drink. We got to do everything it takes to stop drunk drivers, including." including inconveniencing everyone who isn't a drinker. Everyone who's a responsible drinker, number one, is going to be inconvenienced by this. And everyone who never drinks is going to have to have this. This is going to be a mandatory thing in everyone's car, meaning everyone has to pay for this, meaning everyone's price of a car is going to go up as though they weren't already uh, expensive enough. It's going to be terrible. Yeah, definitely. And apparently it's 2026 is when this is perhaps as soon as it's going to roll out. I think they still have to make
1: decisions. I think there about may be it. more support now for it, but I think once the tech gets rolled out, I think you're going to see uh some pushback. some pushback because mm-hmm. I mean if it's going to be as you know, if it's anything like what we've seen thus far, the tech is bad, really bad. Mm. Um and I can't imagine I can't imagine there not being a ton of pushback once this starts rolling out to vehicles, um, you know,
0: mandatory, you
1: know, for for right. all vehicles.
0: It won't be mandatory for older vehicles at least not that i'm aware of uh, the proposal is it would be all new vehicles so of course you know a drunk who knows about this is not going to buy a new vehicle right <laughs> like they're going to keep to the old well, cars and
1: that's also kind of an interesting point you make because it's probably going to increase the value of the
0: older vehicles um at least to the drunks or, or to those who don't want to be hassled by whatever yeah, all this nonsense yes
1: yeah, absolutely absolutely yeah anything else
0: uh no, not really. I think
1: that's right. that's pretty much summary. We'll keep
0: our uh, we'll keep our eyes on uh, on this as it continues to develop because it'll probably get worse uh, between now and whenever this mandate comes into place. Of course, if you want to comment, you're welcome to join the show. The number is six zero three two eight three six one sixty. That's 603-283-6160. All kinds of do gooder mandates, I guess we're talking about here. And speaking of drinking and uh, drugging, there's a new proposal that's coming from donald trump that's going to sound uh similar to some of the things we've discussed before the insane attack on mexico we'll talk about it coming up free talk live is brought to you by dash digital cash dash is the cryptocurrency designed to be used for spending Rising fees have made Bitcoin useless for purchases, but Dash continues to have fees less than one cent per transaction and has implemented really cool features to ensure it's undefeated as the most useful cryptocurrency in the marketplace. From a technical standpoint, Dash transactions are irreversible and its network is protected from 51% attacks by their ChainLock's technology. There's no need to wait for a confirmation before considering a Dash transaction complete, so it's great for merchants. Dash is one of the oldest cryptocurrencies and is widely available on exchanges and in multi-crypto wallets. It's easy to get and use Dash. Start by learning more at Dash.org. Big thanks to the Dash DAO for sending us 32 Dash per month to promote Dash on the air. Visit Dash.org to learn about Dash. Dash.org. Dash.org. It's Free Talk Live. You can join us here. The number is 603 283 6160. Bring up anything you want to discuss. 603 283 6160. Free Talk Live. Brought to you this hour by Dash Digital Cash. Dash is the cryptocurrency designed to be used for spending. And I was really excited to see the folks over at Dash Incubator made an announcement today that defy the grid which is apparently the top sales site for the goldback product which we're big fans of here on free talk live goldback of course is the uh one one thousandth of an ounce that's the smallest denomination piece of gold that you can actually put in your wallet and you can spend it's amazing it's beautiful you've got to see if you've never seen the gold back, you got to check them out. Defy the Grid is one of you know dozens of uh, websites online that offer the gold back for sale. And Dash Incubator announced today that Defy the Grid is now accepting Dash for gold backs and other gold and silver products. So uh, I think that's great news uh, for for me. Like it's a perfect combination. Yeah, to have gold backs on one hand that you can have physically with you anywhere you go, which I do. And then also have Dash as a actually useful cryptocurrency, low fees. You want to talk about low fees? Bitcoin fees are like two bucks a piece, I think, Uh, median price. Last time I checked, which was a few days ago, Dash fees are way less than one cent per transaction. Dash is very, very useful uh, as a cryptocurrency, and now you can even use it to buy your gold and silver with, which I think is just a, a great thing to have. And Dash is one of the oldest cryptocurrencies. It's widely available on exchanges and in multi-crypto wallets. It's easy to get. It's easy to use Dash. You can start by learning more at Dash.org. Big thanks to the Dash Decentralized Autonomous Organization for sending us 32 Dash per month to promote Dash on the air. You can visit Dash.org to learn about Dash. That is Dash.org. Let's go to Sheriff David Hathaway. He's on the line with us from... I believe, uh, South Arizona, where you live and are the sheriff of Santa Cruz County. David, welcome.
2: Yeah, good evening, Ian. I want to talk about a couple things. I want to talk about how I lived in a city of a million people in South America that had no traffic control devices, no stop signs, no uh, no no red lights, green lights, no yield signs, wow. nothing. And it worked out very fine. Like It was just very organic, the way people organized Um there'll be a buildup on one side of the intersection. And then when there's a gap in traffic, that side just goes and it just keeps going until the traffic is sparse. Mm. And then somebody noses in, in the other direction. And then that side dominates the intersection for however long, 30 seconds or a minute. And Amazing. Um, it, it's the biggest city in Bolivia. It's called Santa Cruz de la Sierra hmm. in Bolivia. It's not the capital city, but it's the, the biggest city in uh, in kind of the tropical area. But I also wanted to mention, there was a caller a few nights ago that, wanted to make my immigration book into an audio book and he was wondering how to get a hold of me and I give out my email address to everybody it's real simple just sheriff david hathaway at gmail.com no weird spelling no weird punctuation just sheriff david hathaway at gmail.com if anybody ever wants to to uh, get a hold of me but thank you yeah, for, anyway. thank you for that
0: so let's let's go back to Bolivia for a moment so when was this that you were living down there? And when you got to the city, you obviously come from the United States. Was this a, How big of a shock to the system was uh, this change for you?
2: No, it, it was not a big change. We lived... It, me and my wife lived in South America a total of eight years during my time with DEA, mm-hmm. um, and she grew up along the border here, too, along the Mexican border, so she speaks Spanish. We both went to school here and had our little part-time jobs at McDonald's and whatnot mm-hmm. along the border, so we we both had grown up in a Spanish-speaking environment, so uh, she did just fine down there. Um, it was... Of the kind of the embassy community, she's the only wife that stuck it out down there because mm. it was very friendly people, very nice lifestyle, uh, but a lot of the people, you know, they, they wanted more of the U.S. lifestyle, the U.S. conveniences, but we, we enjoyed it, and it was real nice. The years we were in Bolivia was 1991 to 1996, and then we lived on a separate assignment three years in Paraguay. And so Austin, you were already so in, in South Paraguay.
0: America before going to Bolivia? You were elsewhere?
2: No, uh, we went to Paraguay after that, and my wife and children came along on, on on that assignment too. But yeah, we'd both grown up along the border, so we were familiar with. The, I guess my
0: question was know, kind of more of specifically direction. about the traffic, though. Like, how, was that a shock to you to to go from you know the United States, where there's a ton of signage and a ton of safety uh, measures in place, to having you know, virtually none of that? It sounds like. What was that like? Yeah,
2: it was. It, it was a shock, and I didn't know. How it would work out, and I, I had a vehicle there. I had a Toyota Land Cruiser, mm-hmm. and we drove, you know, a- every day on the city streets. And it was, you know, very dense population. A lot of these uh, third world countries are like that, very dense population. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was, it was very self-organizing, and of course, the people down there, the drivers down there, grew up in that environment, so it wasn't They're like used they to were it. trying to. Yeah, they weren't trying to invent solutions, but it's very natural. Like you flow up to an intersection, there's already traffic going perpendicular you know if it's a busy intersection and you just kind of wait until the you until you there's a break in the traffic and then your side starts going and mm-hmm. then they dominate the intersection until the traffic flow reduces and it wasn't like you know collisions or confusion and you actually are paying attention to what you're doing it's not hard it's not chaotic and when if you anything see, you,
0: like, you got to pay direction. attention more right like you've got to be really looking out for what's going on you can't just rely uh, on know, some light
2: you know, not, not, yeah, well, not, not really necessarily because it, it is, it is very natural how mm-hmm. the traffic flow develops, and you're not, yeah, you're not distracted by a bunch of signs and lights and trying to figure out what does this mean? Can I really turn now? Is the intersection really clear? Just because I got a green arrow, um, yeah, you're. You're paying attention, but the flow is natural. It's not like people are trying to, you know, cut each, cut each other off. No, I see what you're saying. Yeah. If yeah.
0: you're if you're not at the front of the group, then you can kind of go with the flow. But if you're at the front, you got to pay attention, right? Because then you got to see, you know, who's coming and who's not. And by the way, it's not to say you shouldn't pay attention if there's traffic devices. Obviously, you should look before you go through an intersection because <laughs> there's always a chance that some psycho is going to be, you know, running through a red or whatever. But... Uh, but yes, yeah, so
2: yeah, you're actually you're actually focused on what matters, you know, just like your example of the cliff and the guardrail, mm-hmm. um, you know, instead of relying on some sign or on some, you know, supposed safety device, you're actually observing the environment, the environment, the weather, right. the shape of the road, uh, the what the road's made out of. Is it dirt? Is it asphalt? Is it sloping? Uh, the things that really matter rather than taking counsel from some sign hmm. telling you what you should do.
1: Yeah. You know, it's it's actually interesting. Um, I, so I we don't quite have that here in the United States, probably anywhere, but in New Hampshire, we don't have stop signs at our, uh, intersections in, uh, I mean, don't get some me wrong. We do. They do not There's some right not here everywhere. Okay. But what I'm saying is my street doesn't have a stop sign. And uh. if you go over to West Keene,
0: most of the streets over there don't have stop signs. You mean if you're like coming off your street onto the main street yeah. that mm-hmm. you're turning onto? Yeah, okay. and All
1: people right. always know to stop, but right. it's, and it's obvious yeah. that you need to stop, but it's like you don't need a stop sign there. And yeah. in Keene, we don't have stop signs. Yeah, everywhere. I think
0: uh, you know New England has a little bit of this. And the the one time I went down back down to Florida to see my parents like a decade ago, I was seeing they were putting in. Uh, the roundabouts there as well, mm. but we have these roundabouts here, which are a little taste of that, right? Where people actually have to just go and make their own decisions about when to enter into the the roundabout and when uh, when to leave it and all that. You know, uh, you know, it's funny. But because that's, that's about as far as it that's goes. That's exactly
1: this uh, sort of situation where the signage I think helps um, because people don't know going into inter or going into the rotaries or circles what or whatever do. you want to call them what to do mm-hmm. when they're not from the north, especially when they're not from the northeast. So, well,
0: I mean, that's, yeah. the, that's the point I think, you know, David's making is, you know, down there, they probably don't have roundabouts. It's just raw intersection and you just got to figure it out. Yeah. And, and people figure it out. And I think that's what's, and when you watch the videos of this stuff, you can kind of see that like the flows you're talking about, almost how, you know, when you, in nature, you have like the birds that fly in a, in a, in a pattern. And this is sort of similar to that, but with, with human beings, these sort of native, uh, natural patterns sort of emerge.
2: Yeah, and unfortunately, the clips in that make it to YouTube where they show uncontrolled intersections in foreign countries, they're trying to take the most sensational clip they can find that Mm -hmm. looks like the most chaotic. They're not out on a scientific study to show, okay, what is the natural flow that develops? They're kind of sort of trying to find things that look out of control and uploading those because they think they'll get more views on Mm -hmm. those. But if they kind of just did a more... Uh, you know, sensible approach of let's just go study some of these intersections in these countries that have had that forever, you know, since the whole lives of 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 the the people that that live there and drive there, they would see like a very natural flow. But I've seen those YouTube videos that are trying almost to pick, you know, film a whole day and then pick the 10 minute portion that looks the most chaotic and upload that.
0: (laughs) Well, thanks for sharing that story, David. Was there anything else you wanted to share tonight?
2: no that's it i'm enjoying the show thank you guys all right
0: very good thanks for the call tonight the number is 603-283-6160 saying he was in uh the largest city in bolivia with a million people for years where there were no traffic signs no traffic lights whatsoever and everything was fine Hmm. i mean obviously accidents are going to happen but he didn't say that accidents were happening more often Uh, And that would would be an interesting study to look at to compare cities. Yeah. Look at this Bolivian city and then look at a city in the U.S. that has a similar population and maybe similar population density if you can find it. And then also, you know, what are the traffic fatalities like? I'd be curious about that. Uh, Since we're talking about safety and mandates, well, I don't know if you've been following this, Chris, but in the retail world, in big cities in the United States... We started to see a locking up of the product, uh, and for instance, in uh, Walgreens, you've seen probably maybe you've seen the videos where in San Francisco, yeah. people will just walk into uh, you know CVS or Walgreens with a big knapsack or whatever, and just start throwing items into it, and then just walk out the front door, just stealing hundreds, if not thousands, of dollars worth of merchandise. And so, in order to try to stay in business. <laughs> they have started locking up the items. Have you seen any of this going on? I, I mean I have actually. Um
1: yeah, it's actually funny. I've <laughs> I didn't even know like this was a thing. Uh, you know, at one point in my life really? where like they would lock stuff up. I remember going into a, a department store once and you know, trying on clothes and getting yelled at because I went into like, you know, the changing room mm-hmm. and I didn't know that I was supposed to like check in with somebody right. before I went in because I guess people walk, they put their clothes on and they walk out. Sure. And I, I, I never encountered that before. Where
0: is this in like a city or something? I,
1: I imagine close? it was. Yeah. Um, I I know it wasn't where I lived and I, I lived in a you know, fairly rural uh, town. It was a little larger than Keene. at the yeah, time. Yeah. They
0: weren't having huge but, theft issues in the town. Yeah.
1: But yeah, it's, it's very interesting to see, you know, you go into certain, t- uh, certain cities and, and have these very, very, um you know, high theft areas uh, where they just they have to lock up everything.
0: It's crazy. In fact, that's the story here about Walgreens in Chicago where they're now locking so much up at the store, there are only two aisles of products now that customers are allowed to access on their own. The rest of the aisles are all locked down. Some shoppers, according to the U.S. Sun, in Chicago, Illinois, aren't too sure about the new kiosk technology rolled out at the downtown Walgreens. Executives at the company made significant changes to prevent theft that have been on the rise in grocery stores around the United States since last year. However, earlier this year, during an earnings call with Walgreens investors, the company's chief financial officer noted that they may have been a bit dramatic. He says, maybe we cried too much last year maybe it's supposed to be tried too much anyway it's too late for windy city residents as a redesigned walgreens with considerable anti-theft measures opened this week customers will now be unable to shop for themselves save two small aisles of essentials according to the source the news outlet shared a photo of a digital kiosk where customers choose the items they would like to buy shoppers then pick up their products at a checkout counter after an employee receives or retrieves the shopping haul you know this is uh, kind of funny because this
1: is going back to what the situation used to be back in the day um it, i don't i don't know how far back you have to go but it used to be when you were pur- would pur- purchase goods mm-hmm. there would be a clerk And you'd go up to a counter, basically, and the clerk would then go and get the goods from the store and bring them to you.
0: I remember a store that did that. It was called Service Merchandise back in the 1980s and the 90s. They had one where I was growing Mm -hmm. up, and uh, I I think there were some items that were on the shelf, but the higher ticket items, you you had to take a little tag up to the cashier. And then they would yeah. go ahead and they'd order it from the stockroom and some, yeah. some kid in the stockroom yeah. would some, shove them out on a conveyor belt.
1: I think this is a little bit different than that situation, but I, I, I know what you're talking about, mm-hmm. like Toys R Us with video games and things like they that. They did that too, and yeah. Yeah, um, East Staples, you know, the high ticket items, yep. electronic items would be locked up uh, from laptops to, you know, you know, back in the 90s it would have been right. like DVD players and, you know, maybe click discs. I'm sure nobody probably remembers those, but uh, zip
0: drives maybe. Mm-hmm. But um, now they're talking about it's going to be your toothpaste. Now it's going to be the hair dye. Now yeah. it's going to
1: be <laughs> so. It you know. sounds more like what used to exist, you know, way back in the day before department stores. See, now this is before my time. I mean, it was you weren't. Did you ever see this? Or oh, did you no. Just know it oh no! Oh no! I never encountered okay. this. I'm just aware. That's interesting that you know. Before I think it was before department stores, before the big before department right. Are stores. Are we talking about like pre Woolworths or something like that, or like I around? I believe so. Yeah, I think we're okay. talking about like ni- early 1900s. Before I suspect we're
0: summoning Major yeah. Payne now, and he's gonna he's gonna <laughs> let us know where the way things used to be. Who's, if it was like
1: know, this. Who's hundred years old? Who's listen in because we need you to call in
0: uh you might remember some of this so uh and the the weird thing about this is it's it's like if you're gonna make me order on a computer screen why am i gonna come into your store in the first place What's the convenience? You know, I mean, I, I could probably answer that. Is uh, you know, you're probably
1: going to be able to pick it up within a couple of minutes. As it'll opposed be a little a day, two okay, days, yeah. three days, a week, <laughs> depending on but depending man, on where you are and how I mean, quickly you, you know deliveries might get to you.
0: It's going to be frustrating though. I mean, you have to wait on an employee to go out, find the items that you want. Hopefully, they get the right ones. Yeah, and then they bring them up to the front counter, and then you have to then you can check out. Uh, it's it's going to definitely increase the time it takes, especially if the place is busy. You know Now, how many employees are they going to have in the store to go and pick for shoppers? So they're going to lose, I think, some number of, of customers, right? Because you're, hur- you're in a hurry, right? The reason you go to a convenience store, the reason you go to a Walgreens or a CVS is because it's 24 hours a day. You know the products that you need. You know you're going to pay more because it's convenient, but you're willing to, so you go in. And you pay the extra price. You may run. At, you know what's interesting about this is you may run into this.
1: Uh, how do I say this? Uh, more in places that are high, high crime ridden, mm-hmm. and uh, there may not be as much competition. So you may not have as much of a choice. You may um, not have other options. Yeah, there so. may not be other options.
0: Well, that's. I guess the other option would be to just shop online, right? And I think this is going to drive a lot more. I don't know what percentage more and obviously Walmart or Walgreens in this case is experimenting with this. They're going to see they're going to find out how much uh, sales are going to go down because I'm going I'm to predict they're going to go down somewhat. Mm. But the question is, are the uh, losses they were taking, which must have been heavy. You know, they were taking heavy losses. Is it going to be evened out in that they're not going to lose as much as far as shrink is concerned, as they call it in the, in the business and yeah. retail, but they also may lose some legitimate sales from people who are just like, I'm not – wait, there's three people in line. It's going to take me a half hour. I'm not going to wait for this. If I had to speculate – their uh, losses probably ended
1: up exceeding three percent because mm-hmm. i know that was There's the, a certain acceptable yeah amount. that was that's i think the industry standard mm-hmm. and it's usually uh once it hits three percent that's when the stores start adding cameras or adding more security measures right of this nature and that's just and I I only know that because I used to work in a retail store and sure, that's what I was too. told uh, by management so
0: well it would be interesting I mean they're not going to re- they're not going to disclose the info but it would be really interesting to know just how bad it got Yeah you know? yeah were they at 10% were they at you know 20, uh, 12% what what was it that you know made them decide all right we just got to try something different and so now they're bringing in kiosks uh, Walmart issued a statement about the changes to a customer who feared the store was closed for good Quote, the redesigned store will have the latest in e-commerce offerings to increase customer service, mitigate theft, and increase safety for our customers and employees, said the retailer in an email. The pharmacy also has a kiosk system. Two employees monitor the essentials section where you can, quote, shop for yourself, unquote. (laughs) The area includes two rows of shelves that are under five feet tall. So team members can observe what customers are doing (laughs) at all times. But of course, as we've seen in these cities, the thieves don't give a damn if they're being observed. I mean, in the videos that they put online, these people are so brazen. They're not like trying to conceal it. They're literally coming in with a huge bag and just grabbing stuff off the shelf and shoving it in the bag and running or walking out the front door like they own the place. And of course, the store security is told they really can't do very much. Mm. They can't really, like, you know, hurt these people for whatever reason, and or they're not willing to take on the liability of what might happen, potential lawsuits, etc. So they just let them walk out the door. And then, of course, uh, in California, they've they've apparently stopped enforcing theft under I think it's nine hundred dollars or whatever. So it has to be like felony level theft. For the police to actually even do anything about it. So these people are able to just collect hundreds of dollars in product and walk out the door. So how is five-foot shelves going to stop that from happening? How How is having an employee watching these people stealing going to change anything? I don't know. I guess we're going to find out. Uh, any, any other items aside from the two small aisles of essentials require customers to use a kiosk station to digitally select items and pick them up later on. Let us do the shopping, read a sign sitting next to the order station. (laughs) Shoppers have no choice if they want to obtain anything from Walgreens, quote, full selection. The sign also urged Chicago customers to, quote, relax while we shop for you, and informed them they could pick up their items at the pickup slash FedEx Western Union counter a company spokesperson told the publication Thursday that Walgreens desires to improve the customer experience with the changes, and the Chicago location serves as a test run. They said the retailer is, quote, testing a new experience at the store with new concepts, technologies, and practices to enhance the experiences of our customers and team members. It'll. It sounds like a, a very much a, hmm, a challenge if you're looking
1: for something and you need the product information. Um, yes, it does. I, like you want to actually yeah, shop. Well, one of the... Um One of the problems that I I sometimes find is when I'm looking at, you know, products is that that online is that they often you don't really get the information on the box. Mm -hmm. So, like, you sometimes have to, like, hunt down, like, actual photos, like on looking elsewhere. Right. Like you might have to go on eBay to find a picture of, like, the actual box to find out if it's,
0: you know, what you what you actually want or not, because it's just they don't actually provide everything on the product page. And, I, hey, um, you and I, we're pretty connected, right? Like, we can do this. It's no problem. We can go find the the eBay items and we can find the large, you know, high-resolution images of the back of the box and we're good. But what about the people that are mm, not so experienced when it comes to online anything? I mean, believe it or not, even though we exist in this online world, there are still people out there that do not have an interest in doing online anything. (laughs) I can tell you that they
1: exist because I deal with them every day. Um, You know, I have a business and I can't tell you how many people call up my company. And I, I don't I'm not the first person to answer the phone. But oftentimes people are asking questions and they're just they're so hard to deal with. I got to deal with them.
0: But these are people who have at least gone to your website at some point and ordered a product and they have questions or whatever, right? Somehow, not always. (laughs) Um, Really? (laughs) uh,
1: Yeah. Sometimes we get callers and, you know, uh, we're actually kind of wondering like what's going on because number. how did they right like how how are they okay their product information is right there or mm-hmm. like on the web page like what how are you how, how do you not know the answer to your own question like how did you find the phone number in order to call us because the <laughs> phone number is funny because the phone number we don't have the phone number like
0: not front not and center yeah.
1: right yeah. it's not prominent front and center it. at the top or anything right. like that you actually have to open a product page and it's on mm-hmm. every single product page but it's in the bottom lower right Sure. So you have to actually already go through like specification, like scroll down through specification information, which to, could answer your question, right, which could yeah. answer your question in most cases. Yeah. So to, to give us a call. So it's like, how did you and, and what I've found, I think, over the years is that often um, people have gotten like our phone number from other people mm. who like are more tech savvy i see um look just call these guys yeah (laughs) and and they can help you and Mm -hmm. i mean in some respect that's exactly you know that's what we do um you know we help people who may not be as tech savvy uh you know that's why we have a phone number but it's just it's it's just amazing that people you know call us up to place orders and you know do all the things and especially because we we sell computers so (laughs) it's and we sell tech computer linux computers so like there's this perception that you know linux users are technical and it's just it's not the case but it's just really entertaining i think uh because there are really a lot of people out there
0: who are not you know they're just not uh and there's some people who don't even use computers is the point I'm trying to make. There's some people yeah, right, who, right. they don't have a, a smartphone, but they don't even have even the laptop. people who do are not tech savvy. Sure, that's true. Uh, the number here, if you want to join us, is 603-283-6160. I just feel bad for anybody that doesn't use computers because now they're going to have to be going into these stores and having to have other people shop for them, and it's going to suck. More coming up. Some of you have wanted to support Free Talk Live's mission on a monthly basis, but don't want to support Patreon. Now we have an alternative that also helps our premier streaming platform, Odyssey. Visit video.freetalklive.com and click join at the top of the channel. You can subscribe for $5 per month and unlike other subscription services, Odyssey adds their processing fee on top. So it'll cost a little over $5 per month, but Freetalk Live will receive the entire amount you pledged higher donation tiers are available if you're feeling so inspired you'll get a special membership badge that's visible in the odyssey chat room and if we get enough supporters we may enable members only chat this new subscription method is a great way to decentralize our direct listener support away from just patreon and also support a libertarian run business odyssey Please visit video.freetalklive.com and click join to subscribe to our Odyssey channel and help support spreading our message around the planet. Visit video.freetalklive.com and click join today. Free Talk Live. It is Free Talk Live. We're kicking off the second hour of the program. The phones are open. we we'll to join the show. 6032836160. Maybe you live in one of these more urban areas where stores like Walgreens, in this case is what we're discussing, CBS, are putting into place new anti-theft measures. Not only are they locking up product uh, because of massive theft, but they're also now having customers order at a kiosk. And then the employees will go and shop for the customer, which, of course, is a huge inconvenience in a lot of ways. I mean, for some people, they might find it convenient, right? People that just want other people to do things for them. (laughs) But for those of us, as you pointed out, Chris, what if you want to actually look at the details of a product, what if you don't know what you want? It's fine if you know what you want, right? <laughs> like, if you are going into one of these places, you're like, i got to get this exact product because I always buy it and I know what it is. And, okay, fine. You order that you wait they bring it to you.
1: But what if you're not sure, like you're trying to figure I, out? I can see, uh, you know, somebody who's maybe got a medical issue needing to find out what ingredients are in the product. Absolutely. Right? Um, you know, or uh, maybe they have an allergy or something, you know, Um, what if
0: you just want to go and, and smell the scents of a shampoo aisle, right? Like that's a nice thing to do. I want to get a scent that doesn't smell good. I Mm want to have something that's, you know, smells right for me. Right. Yup. Sorry. It's all locked up. (laughs) And how you have to wait on an employee to what? Stand there with you. I mean, as you and, <laughs> sample these things
1: and you know it's it's kind of you know interesting because it's like are you supposed to be like okay can you bring me all your shampoos like yeah, a ridiculous. sample of each of your shampoo i mean you got 20 shampoos on the shelf is the employee supposed to go and get no, each one of them obviously and that's and not gonna decide happen. you know you you then
0: get to decide what which shampoo you want i mean i guess in theory you could go with an employee they could open up the lock box and then give you access. Are you going to, to be allowed behind the counter? It sounds like that's not no. How they're, I, don't, they're doing I, well, I don't know. That's a good question, right? So, like, are they going to have? I mean, they have all a kiosk. This? Yeah, that's a good question. Is how is this store going to be laid out? Because what we've seen is they're trying to retrofit on older stores. They're just they're just adding lock cases to the to the existing shelving. Mm. But if they're going to redesign an entire store around anti theft, then yeah, you might be right. There just might not be any aisles whatsoever. Uh, and it's just going to be kiosks everywhere. And then people in a large stock room, that are going to be picking product. Yeah, it's a great point. Yeah, so we don't really know what this is going to be like. Um, unless, did they open the thing yet? Or is it something they're just talking about? I'd love to see pictures of this No, stores. it's rolled out. Okay, so the the store itself looks like an older, at least as far as the photo that's, that's here in this story. Uh, the outside of the store looks pretty similar. There's only one. Yeah. So these are just locked up. Okay, so it's an old, it's an older Walgreens with just a bunch of locking cases now. So you can still walk around the store, you can still look and see what's on the shelves. Okay, but um, but you still can't see the product information get, like on the back of the yeah, product or anything nope, like that. Yeah, no, you cannot pull the product off the shelf on your own volition and examine it. And as you might imagine, this is going to upset some people. We'll talk about that here, but uh, we summoned him, Major Payne. Is on the line in Michigan because you had said, Chris, that in the old days, this is actually how it used to work in some stores. You'd go up to – I believe the
1: way it was is you'd go into a store, but it was like there was a counter and then Mm -hmm. everything was behind the counter and then an employee would go and – wherever the product was, get that product for you and bring it back to you. What about that, Major Pan? Do you remember that from back in the day? I, I think this predates all of us. That's There are almost I, I, all of no, us alive I, today. I don't
3: remember that, but the uh, the big bulk goods like the bulky things, the blankets and the bags of beans and whatnot, they'd be out there where the customers could wander around and check it out because the ladies like to look at the at the different materials and whatnot sure. for the dress taken. But all the canned goods and bullets and you know, things that belong on shelves, yeah, that stuff was all behind the counter. Oh, you remember this? But, huh? You well, mean, it sounds like you remember this. How- after- from watching old westerns, pretty much. Uh, oh, okay. okay. So <laughs> this is you're saying
0: this is way back. This is the 1800s. I think so. this
1: was yeah. I think this would have been probably early 1900s before the before the um huh. you know the big department store. I think the department stores is what changed that mm-hmm. to where you can actually walk into a store and like look around the store. I think before that everything was basically locked up and you just walk in and there would was be was that due to then,
0: theft uh, back then. Or I was think it, it was to protect the goods. Mm-hmm. Yeah, makes sense. There I mean, was a business this was before cameras and things person.
1: like that. So. Yeah, obviously. There
3: was a couple of old hardware stores, I remember, and they'd probably been handed down from grandfather or father to son, right? There was, like, 100-year-old stock in some of these things. And a uh, lot, I, I know I know buying many things, I'd look at the price and say, damn, that box price ain't been changed in 35, 40 years. <laughs> you
4: know?
3: and, but it, it all, all the exterior walls were ceiling to floor shelves, and they had the old rolling ladders that went along the wall, you know? Oh, yeah, I've mm-hmm. seen that. Yeah, and the only, you wouldn't have a chance without the, the old boy that owned the store because he's the only one that knew where everything was. Right.
0: All right. But there Major. was
3: a couple there was there was a store in the town I grew up in, and it's kinda of funny you guys are talking about the blow tubes in cars now. Mm-hmm. We had a drive through beer store.
0: Yeah, we had one of those where I grew up too. <laughs>
3: yep.
0: Actually I think it was uh, a packaged liquor with, store. Well, I think you could drive through and get liquor too at this store.
3: Huh. I, was going to, I was going to tell you another one, too. I ran into this. I don't remember if I was in Wyoming or Montana. I think Montana. But uh, I found a bar with a drive-thru.
0: Yeah, wow.
3: They they had a really wit- weekly written state statute that basically just said all oh, the go liquor has to be in a sealed container. Mm-hmm. So that just meant they put the lid on the top and they didn't poke the straw through the hole and they were
0: good to go. <laughs> it's sealed. So
3: you could pull up and get, you know, two margaritas and two gin and tonics and two rum and cokes and hit the highway.
1: You know what's interesting is that in other countries you can buy beer at, like, gas stations. Um, They just sell it, like, out in the
0: open. You so. can do that in most oh, places. Out
3: west you can buy guns oh, really? and ammo at the gas You can station.
0: buy beer here in New Hampshire at the gas station, too. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. I mean,
1: like like at like outside like not inside the gas station like you're thinking of it inside a physical uh-huh. store i'm talking about literally buying beer like right like without getting out of your car oh okay so yeah
0: just, <laughs> a little bit different like somebody comes up and, and hands yeah the gas you? attendant will hand you a, a, a you know see. beer
1: okay. you know like cases of beer right like these are right there got it advertised open like stacks of like beer right next to the gas pumps hmm. all right what else major
3: well, I got a I got a good segue for you on your Trump Mexico thing. You know what the cartels are up to now? A couple of the rural provinces. Um, one of them is uh, Michoacan. I think the other one might be Chihuahua. Mm-hmm. Very, very rural, very small villages, isolated. The cartel is taking drones, and they rigged them up so they can drop some homemade bombs. And they're trying. They're running all the villagers out of the provinces, trying to take over the whole damn countryside. Where'd you hear that? I just heard it on the radio a couple of days ago. It was on uh, Relevant Radio.
0: Yeah. I I'm going to uh, call into question any claims about what the the cartels are doing. And it just all sounds like propaganda to me because the other side of the story when it comes to cartels is usually they treat the people of any given area better than the government does. The cartels that's
3: what I heard I'd heard that I'd heard that rhetoric before Yeah too, the cartels help
0: a lot effort. of people they help a lot of people out down there when the, you know the government isn't going to do jack diddly for people it's the cartels that are you know helping people in various different ways Yeah I mean the
1: cartels so, have, they want people on their side they because do. they have an,
0: they, they don't want people ratting them out
1: they don't want the cops coming in they they want to you know they want to Go under yeah the radar. so uh,
0: Anything that's anything start- that's talking bad about the cartels, I'm going to call as potential propaganda by the United States to justify a war.
3: Well, when they first started out with the story, I heard uh, the cartels using drones to bomb locals. I'm thinking doesn't make oh, sense. Oh, they must be attacking the federalies.
0: Yeah, that but could it be. So. It doesn't make sense that they would bomb locals. It's just it that doesn't that that doesn't make business sense for them. Thank you for the call you know, tonight, Major. Must- I, I appreciate hearing from you. And you're going to hear more of this, you know. Just as uh, what we were we saying the other night? Uh, and I'm sorry, I don't know who it was that originated this quote, but the first casualty of war is the truth, right? Mm. And we've seen that with uh, Ukraine, where you don't know what either side is saying is true. You have no idea what's actually going on because you cannot trust either side. And look, I'm not saying trust the cartel, okay? But there's certain things that make sense. And other things that don't make sense. And it doesn't make sense for them to attack the people who are their neighbors uh, who otherwise they could be engendering good feelings with and help protect them essentially. Yeah,
1: you know what's interesting is like if you look at some of uh, the interviews that they've done with cartels and things um, like over the years like media and, and different media outlets, um, one of the things that you'll notice is that the cartels, they it's not that they won't attack like, Uh, the police for example Mm -hmm. Uh, but they don't attack the police if they'll take a bribe right sure so it's it's not quite what people make it out to be the reason that you know they get violent is often because well certain people aren't taking the bribes
0: you know they're not out to kill you right and usually the violence is against other cartels and not against you know randos on the street or whatever that doesn't make sense for them to do why spend a bullet when you don't have to Uh, so we can talk about the cartels here in a little bit because that is uh, also in the news but just continuing on the story about walgreens locking down their inventory Uh, they say that customers will have an area in which they can pick up orders digital kiosks for placing the orders as well as an area to shop for essential items despite the digital upgrades so-called And efforts to ensure a uh, safe shopping experience, customers went online to voice their disapproval of the changes, as reported by Lipstick Alley, some website. This is dumb, said one customer. Sadly, I can see more stores doing this. We are definitely living in the twilight zone now. Another customer said, I knew this would happen. Next stop will be having to scan an ID or credit card oh, yeah. before being able to enter the store at all. That's the thing I find
1: most disturbing. It's not that they're locking stuff behind the counter. It's, you know, wanting IDs and things like that.
0: Which, of course, if you're ordering online, I mean, you got to put a credit card in there unless they take crypto. Yep. So, I mean, you're going to have to ID yourself in that case. That's why I prefer crypto. Yep. But you still have to give them your name, I mean, in order to get it delivered and an well, address. you have to give them a name, right? Well...
1: Yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but of course, I, if it's with a credit card, then they know. I who mean, you, no, are.
0: you can get credit cards that are not in your name though. But prepaid cards. Um, well, no, even those they want you to give a social security number. for No,
1: it. I, even like a bank, if you go and you get a debit card or something like that, you can get
0: them in you know whatever name you want, like a corporate name or something. Uh, or yeah, they're not gonna let corp- you put any old name on there. Yeah, yeah, they will. Without showing paperwork, then you're gonna have they're, to show.
1: No, no, you're gonna have to show them your ID to open the bank account, yeah. right? A driver's license, yeah. but what's on the physical card doesn't have to be your name. It can really? be any name. Yeah, uh, yeah. PayPal, same thing. Huh. Um, you can get names and other, you know, or cards and other people's names.
0: Another customer said, "This is why I do ninety-five percent of my shopping online. I don't like being treated like a criminal." Others defended Walgreens' decision and noted that shoplifting and crime are to blame for the new experience at the Chicago location, quote, This is where we're headed. Criminality has infested American culture. Companies are going to do what they can to prevent theft, which includes making it more difficult to steal. Whether this is going to put this company out of business or not remains to be seen. How much their business is going to drop, I don't know. But I don't know if I agree that criminality has infested American culture. I mean, for instance— here in Keene, New Hampshire, population twenty thousand roughly, you can walk into the CVS here at two in the morning, and good luck finding an employee. Yeah, like if you actually need help with something, you got to look around that store, or I think they might have a buzzer or a bell or something like that at the the front of the store. Definitely so a bell. You, can, you can ding them buzzer. up there, yep. but it's like there's one employee watching over this entire store of merchandise and so there's literally i mean beyond the cameras that are present there's literally no security at the uh, the keen cbs which is a whole other world from what we're talking about here in chicago where every nearly every product it sounds like 80 percent of the store is under lock and key and you have to order through some kind of kiosk so you know, the problem of criminality that they're talking about, quote-unquote, infesting American culture, it hasn't made its way to, at the very least, keen New Hampshire quite yet. Now, as I understand it, in Manchester, you are more likely to, which is the, quote, big city here in New Hampshire with uh, 125,000 people, you are more likely to see, like, bums on the street, heroin needles, and, and things mm. like that. And where you've got people like that, you are more likely to have... People that are stealing from, uh, you know, convenience stores and that. Yeah, so, I don't, I don't know about
1: the CVS's, but um, you're probably uh, more likely to get shot if you uh, rob the wrong store in in New Hampshire. In New Hampshire just because there are uh, convenience stores and people do have guns behind the counter. So
0: yeah, that much is true. Uh, the rest of the story here, though, from another customer saying this was definitely coming. Shoplifting is beyond out of control. I'm not too surprised, and I'm not mad at it. Stealing has gotten out of control, and there's now whole online communities dedicated to it, said a third person. So and that's what they say is behind the massive thefts that are happening at these stores is they're like essentially online secondhand sales rings that use homeless people. this is what I've heard at least is going on out in California. so it's probably happening in Chicago as well. They essentially, they recruit homeless people who have absolutely nothing to live for. They just don't, you know, they just want to get some, their next hit of crack or whatever it is, heroin. And so, yeah, we'll just go into the Walgreens, load up this uh, backpack or whatever full of product and we'll give you a crack rock or whatever, or, you know, 20 bucks or whatever it is they're paying them. I don't know what kind of cut they're getting out of this. But then they bring the product back to the gangster, whoever it is that hired them. The gangster has his way of selling these products on sites like eBay, for instance, where they sell them at full price. They get them at near to zero price or you know whatever it is they got to pay the homeless person to go in and, and do the job. So apparently a lot of these products that are being stolen from the Walgreens the CBS are just getting resold online by essentially gangs that are doing this at a very, very large level. Like, they're renting warehouses and storing inventory in warehouses. They're stealing from these stores. It's crazy. Uh, So if you want to comment, you can join the show. here. the number 603-283-6160. And some stores are just saying, you know what? We're out. Mm. They're not even bothering with uh, the locking down of the products. They're just saying, yeah, this isn't worth it to be in these places. And there's a story here from the San Francisco Standard about Nordstrom, which is planning to close both of its downtown San Francisco stores, choosing not to renew its lease obligations at its location in Westfield Mall. It will also close a second nearby downtown store uh, called Nordstrom Rack. The retailer confirmed the closures uh, recently. In an email to employees, the company's chief stores officer wrote that, quote, The dynamics of the downtown San Francisco market have changed dramatically over the past several years, impacting customer foot traffic to our stores and our ability to operate successfully. The two plan closures represent about 357,000 square feet of retail space, according to the San Francisco Business Times. Remember, it was just several weeks ago that we had a story about how Whole Foods, closed their San Francisco location. Now, Whole Foods was saying, well, we're, we're going to see if we can reopen it with some changes or whatever, so maybe they're planning to go a Walgreens route and starting to lock down a lot of the store, but due to safety issues for their staff, they did not feel as though they could continue operating and keep their staff safe from you know, whatever crazed bums or whoever it is that are on the streets potentially putting them in danger. Uh, so they're uh, they're closing up uh, by the end of August, and also another one of the Nordstroms on July first. And of course, Nordstrom is, as I understand it, you know, fairly high end shopping experience. I I I think there was one where I grew up in Florida, and I went there once with my parents or whatever.
1: Is uh is this like a grocery store? Or no, no. This is what, like, what kind of story. Is
0: this imagine like a an upscale J C Penney. Okay, or a Sears or something like that where uh, probably not Sears is not the right term. I, I'm pretty sure Nordstrom is like focused on wearables. but I again, I could be Close. I could okay. be wrong about that. Uh, but they're generally considered like a fancier kind of shopping experience. And downtown San Francisco just isn't the place for a fancy shopping <laughs> kind of uh, experience. You're just gonna get targeted by gangs. The mall said that uh, this is a statement from the mall's owner in a statement that the planned closure, quote, underscores the deteriorating situation in downtown San Francisco. A growing number of retailers and businesses are leaving the area due to the unsafe conditions for customers, retailers and employees, coupled with the fact that these significant issues are preventing an economic recovery of the area. And if you've been paying attention, you know that things got much, much worse. I mean, they were bad in San Francisco from, you know, what you hear about things. I don't live there, but I've, I've visited there a couple of times in the last two decades for conferences or whatever and hmm. never really got to experience most of the city because it's one of those things where you you fly in, you take a yeah, cab yeah, to, yeah. to the, uh, the hotel, you do the conference and then you leave. Maybe you explore the block or two around the, the hotel, but that was about it. So I can't say I have any kind of a, a feel for what things were like. But if you talk to people who grew up there, you talk to people who live there, and they tell you it's just swirling down uh, the toilet bowl in the city. And then it got much worse during COVID because then there was the lockdowns, of course, that happened. And San Francisco was known for being one of the worst of all of the places in the United States. The most kind of China-like of yeah. uh, the places was San Francisco with the most serious lockdowns a lot of uh, small businesses went out of business during that time frame they never came back so you know once you start losing businesses out of like strip malls and and actual malls or whatever they start looking empty and there's just this kind of feeling that develops of of you know decline right like there if you've got a a shopping center and it's 50 percent full that doesn't look very attractive. It doesn't mm-hmm. It doesn't look like those businesses are having success. It doesn't look like a place that you know, a lot of people are going to want to spend time. So that you know, has just kind of compiled on upon itself. and now you've got major retailers like Whole Foods and now Nordstrom closing uh, locations, there's not going to be a bounce back for this unless San Francisco gets the situation under control as as a city. And there's no indication that that's going to happen because they're a total, like, big government, total control kind of uh, t- kind of government there. So, you know, you're likely not going to see a return to gun rights or you know, <laughs> return to, to property rights or anything like that. Uh, so, again, they're saying a lot of these businesses are leaving. The mall's owner went on to say that it had expressed serious concerns to city leaders for many years and, quote, urged the city to find solutions to the key issues and lack of enforcement against rampant criminal activity. Nordstrom announced it would expand its presence in California by opening more stores in cities across the state, but they're closing them down in San Francisco. If you want to comment here, you can join us. Uh, the number is 603-283-6160. we got Tim in Florida. Tim, you're on Free Talk Live. Go ahead.
4: Hey, uh, Nordstrom is the kind of store where the cheapest thing you can buy is a throw pillow on clearance for like $30.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's like a fancier department store, basically.
4: Yeah, they had a Nordstrom gotcha. Rack, so the stuff they can't sell at Nordstrom ends up going to Nordstrom Rack, and then they've got one location uh, in Phoenix, Arizona. It's called Last Chance, and uh, mm. they've had a lot of uh, fire uh, fire hazard issues, you know, like where people trample each other over there. Whoa! They get designer stuff, you know, for like ninety percent off. That's crazy.
0: Any thoughts on uh, what's going on?
4: Uh, well, what was the name of the guy in Oliver Twist that they used to pay the kids to go and pick pocket?
0: I I don't think I've ever read the book, so I can't tell you. <laughs>
1: Not a clue.
4: That's that's what it reminded me of. Uh... Uh, you know, you know, and I I just saw the movie. Uh, you know, in high school, I think we all read the play. But basically, he he paid the orphans. You know, he, he took care of the orphans, and they go and it and, and bring them him back. You know, yeah, this probably got.
0: isn't as uh, as compassionate as as that sounds, because I suspect the gangsters who are hiring the homeless people aren't taking care of them. They're just giving yeah. them crack rock and sending them along their way. Tim, thanks for the call and the heads up yep. on that tonight. There's more coming up. Free Talk Live. Talk live. Phones are open. And you can join the show. The number is 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. Joining you here tonight, it's Ian and Chris. So I mentioned at the beginning of the show that there's some unfortunate news surrounding uh, Donald Trump and his campaign for president. Uh, Which, you know, we're not following these campaigns very closely here on Free Talk Live because what's the point? They're all a bunch of lying scum, so who cares? Uh, But there are some people that are out there that, uh, let's say, they begrudgingly support Donald Trump because the old saying is, the devil you know, right? (laughs) And i'm not saying i'm one of these people okay for me i'm all about uh, as far as in the republican primary supporting the Free Stater who's running that's aaron day and he's actually a principled libertarian who understands that the war on drugs is insane and that you know drugs need to be legalized and he's pro-secession nice. uh, so yeah check out aaron day if you have an aaron r day he's doing great work in fact he just published a book he sent a copy to the show. I haven't even had a chance to open it yet, so I'm hoping to get a chance to look at it, and then we'll have him on to talk about it. Uh, but there's still some people that don't know about Aaron's campaign, and so they're trying to figure out, well, you know, who do I vote for in the in the Republican primary? And there's, there's some libertarians uh, that are looking at Donald Trump because of one issue. Not because he's a libertarian. Not because he's <laughs> pretending to be a libertarian. He's not. Uh, you know what you got when you got Donald Trump. You got bigger government. You got COVID mandates. You got all kinds of you know big government stuff. But the one issue that's important to these libertarians is anti-war. And they view Donald Trump. And by the way, Reed Coverdale is a, a co-host on occasion on Free Talk Live. We haven't had him on in a while because he's been really busy. But, uh, and he doesn't live in the area anymore. But he's been posting online about how he's willing to vote for Trump in the primary. And because of this one particular issue of that Trump, during his presidency, was the least warring, the least warmongering of all of the presidents that we've had in my lifetime, mm. at least. I mean, would you agree with that? Um, I, I don't know. Did he start any new wars? Uh, He didn't, but he did not. Did he draw we, down the troops in Afghanistan? did have a
1: president in the 90s? Like, where, I don't know. No. We didn't go, no? All right.
0: No, Bill Clinton was involved in some warmongering stuff, for sure. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Did he draw down troops from Afghanistan? He did. Yeah. Yep, he did. Um, did he have peace talks with Kim Jong-un, uh, the first president in the history of North Korea to ever actually meet with a North Korean president. Yeah, he did. Yeah. He did, And it didn't go anywhere ultimately, unfortunately, because of whatever reason, but, um, they did meet on more than one occasion and there was actual talk about peace between the, the Koreas North and South and largely that was because of Donald Trump. So did he completely end war? No. Did he, you know, withdraw the troops from all the military bases? No, of course not. I mean, he's, I'm not saying he's some anti-war guy, but his rhetoric on, uh, you know, on conflict internationally has been more peaceful than a lot of the competition has. And even during his campaign this time around, you know, he's, he's had the rhetoric, at least as far as uh, with Ukraine, when he's been asked questions about Ukraine, he wants the conflict to end. He doesn't want to continue funding it. And he got a lot of heat for what he said about that at the CNN town hall just a few hmm. weeks ago. Interesting. So, I mean, he, as far as monsters go, he is the devil that you know, and we know what he did the four years that he was in. He didn't reduce the government like he's, <laughs> he made people think that he was going to do. I'm not trying to say he did what he said he was going to do. He wants to redirect the troops to the border, though. <laughs> well, now that's what I wanted to get into here. And up until whenever this you know news came out, within the last couple of days, up until the last couple days, he seemed to be a less warmongering option. But now he's adopting <laughs> the new hot Republican, you know, perspective, which is that they should go after the drug dealers in Mexico with the U.S. military. Now, before this viewpoint coming out from Trump, he was already bad on on the war on drugs. right? So I'm not trying to represent him as in any way libertarian. OK, he already was asking for death penalties for drug dealers, which is not libertarian at all. No, okay. definitely not. Libertarian viewpoint is, look, these drugs may be bad, but people should be free to make choices for themselves, and that includes the choice to put something dangerous into their own bodies. And if, it's, if you're free to put something dangerous into your own body, you should be free to buy and sell the dangerous thing that these people want to put in their bodies. It's just a free market perspective. Trump's never had that view okay so he's he's an anti-drug guy but he until recently did not go so far as to say he wanted to actually have a war on drugs dropping bombs in Mexico an actual hot war uh, as you might call it with Mexico now he's not the first Republican to say this so he's adopting uh, a pretty sort of common unfortunately republican view these days there's other presidential candidates like the vivek ramaswamy guy who's been pimping this for months now as we pointed out but it's not just candidates that are doing it there's a actual bill in congress right now with republican sponsors that would authorize the u.s military to go in and do something and and you know what when you only have a hammer, everything looks like a nail. So, yeah. you're the U.S. military, your tool is violence. So, presumably, they're going to do something violent. Did against you hear them. the military was objecting to this? No. Yeah, I, I believe they uh,
1: they they've come out repeatedly over the and this is I don't even think this is recent, but over over the decades, saying they don't want to be involved in going after uh, you know the, the cartels.
0: Maybe because they realized it actually might have a uh, a blowback problem. You know, because. They feel relatively safe going and dropping bombs in the Middle East because it's kind of hard for those guys to make it back to the United States and blow things up. Obviously, it's happened like mm-hmm. 9-11, but it doesn't happen all the time. Right, right. right. You want to go and start dropping bombs across the Mexican border and see what happens? You Because we were talking earlier about how uh, the cartels don't tend to target average people. They go after cartel members. They go after the competing cartels. They're not going around cutting the heads off of tourists. They're not going around cutting the heads off of people and their kids, just random people. That doesn't happen. When somebody gets their head chopped off, it's because they're with the Zetas or they're with the you know the Sandinistas or whoever it is that the different gangs are that are out there right now. Those are the people that are at risk from these activities. But if it's the U.S. military that's going across the border and blowing up cartel buildings, and I mean,
1: you know, this is the quickest way to get the Mexicans uh, supporting the cartels. Um, sure. If, well, a lot of start, them already do. If you start, well, yeah, sure. But even more so than they do now, because now they're going to take up arms against us. As opposed to currently, they're not taking, you know, the, the citizenry isn't taking up arms against us. The you know, the, the Mexican people yeah, aren't. Yeah. You know,
0: well, I don't know how many of the Mexican people would do it. But I mean, if they're getting the their homes,
1: bombs dropped on, sure they sure, they sure well, yeah, will.
0: And your point there, I think, is that the U.S. military will, despite their best efforts, inevitably bomb the wrong places. They'll right. inevitably bomb a wedding party or they'll uh, bomb a hospital. It may
1: not even be the wrong places. It might be their intended target because the Mexican cartels are right next, you know, they're living right next to the, mm-hmm. you know, ordinary citizen right yeah so they're going to start bombing and those bombs are going to explode and they're going to not only destroy the you know whatever the safe house or whatever they're going to destroy you know who knows how many houses right. are surrounding
0: and now you're going to create the mexican terrorists yep out of that so maybe what you're saying is the pentagon is aware of the likelihood of yeah. blowback <laughs> and the easy access of I don't know how many thousands of miles the, the southern border is right easy access to targets in the united states well trump doesn't care according to a report over at rt.com the republican presidential frontrunner donald trump would send u.s military assets to fight the drug cartels south of the mexican border in a claim he claimed in a campaign video seen by fox news on thursday trump outlined a plan to deploy u.s forces to quote inflict maximum damage unquote On the criminal networks, adding that he would impose a naval embargo on the cartels while securing the full cooperation of neighboring governments to dismantle regional drug and people smuggling networks. A naval embargo on the cartels. I'm not sure what that is supposed to mean. I mean, I'm I'm sure they're getting...
1: Sounds like Cuba all over again, where the U.S. surrounded Cuba to stop, uh, you know, the Russians basically from... You know, the nukes back in, what, the late 1960s, was it?
0: Well, I would think a naval embargo would mean that they're going to do something to try to stop them from getting drug shipments in from South America or something like that.
1: Yeah, they surround the ports and they won't let the the ships in.
0: The former president promised to lean on Congress to adopt the death penalty for drug dealers and human traffickers while pushing federal authorities to target gangs and organized crime groups responsible for street-level drug trade. Fentanyl would be permanently listed as a federal-controlled substance... Under the second Trump presidency, he continued, warning that China would pay a steep price if it failed to clamp down on selling the chemical precursors used to make the drug. He claimed that he'd had a deal worked out with President Xi in which they weren't going to be sending anymore and they were going to impose the death penalty on those that made it in China. He said, when I'm back in the White House, I'll take action on day one to end this horrific plague And save American lives because the U.S. drug war has all been so successful at saving lives. Trump's going to make it work. He's going to throw more money at the problem and more lives at the problem and more bombs at the problem. And that's going to make drugs go away. You have to ask yourself, why are they sending fentanyl in the first place? because it's, it's making money.
1: It's because of the well, no, it's because it's it's more concentrated and so it's easier to get through, slip through uh the border in the first place. That's that's how that's how we ended up with fentanyl. Um is because, because of that. Mm-hmm. So it's if you mm-hmm. reduce the if you get rid of the drug war, you don't have that problem anymore. There's not right. there's not that incentive to concentrate it which then will reduce the number of overdoses.
0: And and I think you were on the show the night we had Dana Larson on from Canada. Uh, the guy that's running the drug testing center up there and selling uh, mushrooms openly, he pointed out, and it was really a great point, and I'd never even heard heard this point before, uh, essentially that when you legalize a certain drug, like cannabis... You actually see the market go towards the less strong versions of it in a lot of different ways, and he gave examples of, uh, you know, being able to have cannabis laced drinks and things like that. That obviously you can still get strong versions of cannabis, but there's actually a lot of demand out there for very light versions of cannabis that are available. And uh, and he gave he gave some really good examples of it. I'm I'm sorry, I'm not particularly familiar with what all of those are. But, uh, but it's the, the prohibition that drives drugs to the harder versions, mm-hmm. as you pointed out because when you're smuggling, you've got to be able to get things into a small space, so you've got to use the you know the most high potential yep. high concentration it,
1: it, if, to understand, for people to understand why this is an issue, uh, it's because it has to do with the cutting process mm-hmm. And basically they're not using you know high-tech machinery to do it. they're doing this by hand. Sure. and it's really hard to cut, in doses that won't cause an overdose consistently, it's it's the mm-hmm. lack of consistency when you do it by hand that results in when you go to dilute it that results in there being some having not enough and some batches having too much. Right. And, and when you, you get, get too much, you overdose. Yep.
0: So uh, t- this is more from Trump. He said, "Under Joe Biden, our hard word pro- hard won progress has been surrendered, along with the surrender of our southern border." He lamented blaming the incumbent for, quote, fentanyl and other ultra deadly poisons, stealing more than 100,000 American lives every single year. Quote, uh, in addition to punishing dealers, Trump has proposed increasing federal funds for faith based counseling and rehab programs for drug addicts, suggested family members of addicts should be able to take leave from work in order to care for their loved ones. Trump is far from the only member of his party to suggest sending the U.S. military to fight drug cartels. An idea that the Mexican president at the moment, Andres Manuel Lopez Obrador, has staunchly opposed as a violation of Mexican sovereignty. So they're not going to get the Mexican government to go along with this. That's why it's going to be a hot war. Fentanyl seizures at the U.S. southern border more than tripled between 2020 and 2022, and 2023's numbers have already outstripped last year's with six months left on the calendar. The number of fentanyl overdose deaths has jumped 94% since 2019, and it remains the leading cause of death among Americans aged 18 to 45. Now, the way it sounds so far, and, and again, I haven't heard Trump's full speech about this. I would be curious to know exactly what he's saying. He's talking tough talking about a naval embargo on the cartels and quote inflicting maximum damage unquote what does that actually mean does that mean going in and dropping bombs on uh mexican cartel locations or is he just talking about a uh you know a naval embargo which wouldn't be as well, severe I mean, it, you can't
1: i i don't i think the only way to really look at this seriously is is to look at the facts. Right. And the facts say Mexico is not going to let us in. If the government won't let us in, their military won't let us mm-hmm. in. Right. That means we literally have to start bombing. Yeah. Mexican, uh, you know, bases and the, the, the uh, blockade isn't going to be, you know, blockade is an act of war. Yeah, it's an act of war. And it's going to be blocking all shipping into and out of Mexican ports. Probably. That's a huge problem. That's a huge problem, not just for the people of Mexico, but a huge problem for the people of the United States. Right. There is a lot of trade that goes on uh, between the United States and Mexico. Um, Big time. They're one of our leading trading partners, actually. For obvious um, reasons. They're right there, right, and they're cheap. Right. So if you cut Mexico off, that's going to have serious economic consequences on the United States.
0: Yeah. I think that I think a lot of this is just posturing, honestly. I oh, don't for sure. Think, it's got to be. Right. Because as you pointed out, the Pentagon doesn't agree with it. At least you've heard that that's yep. the mm-hmm. case. And we know that Trump in his last four years was talked in and out of things that he had originally wanted to do by his staff at the Pentagon or whatever. So if if a general goes to Trump after he gets elected or whatever and says, look, uh, yeah, we're, this is a really terrible idea. He's just going he's just not going to do it. He'll hmm. just break whatever promises he's been making. This is, I think, ultimately just tough talk, but it's still disturbing. It's still, I think, worthy of being concerned about, and it makes him seem like a less uh, international, peace-oriented candidate. Again, not saying he's a peace guy, but just compared to the other monsters out there, yeah, he did more peace-oriented stuff during his presidency than many have in the last year, uh, last you know decades of the United States. So he did wage economic war on China though, with the tariffs. You mean? Yes, but that's an economic war against the American people too. I would agree, yeah, because <laughs> yeah. who pays for tariffs? The Me customer. and you. The customer <laughs> yep, pays. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, I, uh, and, and did Biden roll that back?
1: Uh, let's see. Biden, uh, no. But Trump actually. Okay, so what happened was, it was under Trump. It was started under as a ten percent tariff on goods coming from China into mm-hmm. the United States, and it wasn't actually. I don't all think, goods or electronic goods. Um. It wasn't just electronic goods. It was a lot of goods. Mm. It wasn't all goods, but it was a lot of goods. Um, It was a result. It was about 13%, I believe it was, um, uh, uh, across the board. If you took took Walmart, the biggest quote I have is from Walmart, like CEO, and he said something like, 13%, it's going to increase the cost of goods overall, on average, about 13% across all of Walmart. So... Mm -hmm. Now, I don't know if that was when it went up to 25% or if it was when it was – it must have been 25% because otherwise, I can't imagine it would be more than 10%, right? So it must have been when it was 25%. But basically, Trump introduced it as a 10% tariff on China, and then he raised it to a 25% tariff on China. Jeez. And then when Biden came into power – I'm sorry. At the end of Trump's pred- presidency, he dropped the tariff altogether. Really? When okay. Biden came into power, he immediately Brought reintroduced the 25% tariff. So as far as I know I, – So it's still there. I, I think it's – yeah, Fine. I – It's crazy it's not like it's it's bizarre like the way it it's it's working because like sometimes it seems like we're paying a 25 percent tariffs and sometimes it seems like we're not and i think it might have to do partially with the quantity uh and the amount of the dollar value of the goods um and there's there's all these rules associated with it too like um, if you import, like for example, a, a whole computer, you don't pay the tariff. If you import, mm-hmm. uh, the components that make up a computer and then you assemble a computer in the United States, well, you pay a, you really? pay a, a tariff on everything. It's Ridiculous. Yeah. So it actually costs, now this is supposed to protect American jobs, but in reality it forces American jobs out of the United States because now you can't you build
0: the computer, outside. right? You can't
1: build the computer, you know, in the United States mm-hmm. without paying more than your competitors that build it in China. It's ridiculous. I mean, I'm somebody who builds my own computers, so yep.
0: like this hurts me, right? Absolutely. Yeah,
1: yeah because you're paying 25% more for, for those the privilege in of in doing it to yourself. to put it together yourself. Which yeah. takes
0: more time, and yep. you know, why not just pay someone in China to do it? Yep. Uh, so I got another story here pulled up with regards to the Trump statements. He claims, quote, When I am president, we will not rest until we have ended the drug addiction crisis in America. We will win. It will happen. We have to win in 2024 because our country is going to hell. Well, listen, there's nothing you can do with violence to end drug addiction. That's not going to solve the problem. You can go and try bombing uh, Mexico if you want to. I mean, we've already talked about the blowback that's going to happen from that. You're going to create Mexican terrorists. You're going to create all kinds of violence. It's going to be insane. But if they did that, they wouldn't end drug addiction. No they would just drive the price up well you know you know what's funny about this too is we've
1: already seen the cartels moving uh their operations like growing operations mm-hmm. in the, at least like i think at least weed um to the united states like they've already started doing it really yeah and they're using i guess i guess they're using like i think it's like arizona and legal states um Yeah probably Mm -hmm. but um, also like um, uh, national parks and things like that to grow grow the drugs Mm. Um, and I don't know I don't know why that is I'm not sure if that's because it's harder to transit or it's just cheaper like business wise it's more economical or what but they've already started doing it right like that's that's already a major problem that they're facing in the north in the in in the west so I I'm not really sure you know I mean you probably are just going to see more of that than you already do
0: yeah. Good chance of that, uh, but the thing is, you're never going to end drug addiction until you end it at the source, because they've always been fighting, you know, just trying to stop drug dealers and trying to stop drug shipments and thinking they can just cut off the supply. It's never happened. It only maybe will impact the supply temporarily. Well, oh, right. this and one shipment got caught. Okay, well, the in- next. In- 10 interestingly,
1: did. Uh, we've we've heard uh, uh, from X. What is it? X uh, military. Uh, that they actually were protecting the drugs like when sure. we were in Afghanistan yeah, silver Dave talks about. yeah that. I mean it, you know this isn't you know how is it, it and the part of the reason for that as I understand had to do with the fact that if you don't allow that then it completely destroys the economy of the country and therefore you know you end up with more terrorists Mm. and more problems
0: and you got the stories for years about how the cia has been protecting drug traffic and actually maybe even bringing uh the drugs in that's how
1: they got their black budget if i recall Mm -hmm. correctly was through the drug trade
0: yeah so i mean that's not going to end yeah right so i mean to some extent a lot of this is just show it's just just tough talk to get people's votes right we understand that that's what's likely going on here but uh, if you actually do care, if you out there listening to this show actually care about drug addicts, which is what a lot of this is prem- you know, sort of premised on. right? Oh, well, we, we need to stop drug addiction. It's a crisis. Well, OK, here's, here's how you do it. And there's no guaranteed way th- to do it. But the best way to do it is to s- strike at the root. And I don't mean strike with violence. I mean you solve the root of the problem, which is people hate their lives. Yep. Right. That's you talk to drug addicts. There's plenty of drug users who aren't addicts, okay? So we need to separate the drug users from the drug abusers. There's two categories there. There's a category of the people who, you know, they just want to smoke a joint at the end of the day or drink some alcohol at the end of the day, crack a beer while they're... You know, watching television at night before they go to sleep, and then wake up to go to work the next day. These are productive people. They just have a particular drug they like. Maybe they're weekend warriors. They take uh, you know some harder drugs on the weekend or something like that. But by the time they they sober up, they're back at work the next week. These are drug users. These are responsible drug users. Okay, these people are a lot of times people end up going to prison (laughs) because they get caught with their drugs, even though they didn't have a problem with them. Then there's the people that have a problem. There's the drug abusers. There's the people who are using constantly. They're using while they're at work. If they have a job, if they don't have a job, they're maybe tripping over them on the street. Right? They've lost their home, or they're you know they're just on welfare, so they spend all their money on drugs, and they're completely addicted. They can't take care of their family. They can't take care of themselves. These are the people who are completely messed up in the head. They 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 have no hope. They hate their lives. They may have grown up with drug addicts for parents or abusive. Parents or whatever, and they just don't see a light at the end of the tunnel. And of course, as economic circumstances continue to spiral down, as inflation continues to rise, as fewer people are able to make ends meet, to get the bills paid, to keep food on the table for their families, you're going to see people falling off the uh, the wagon. You're going to see people who have quit doing drugs go back on because they're depressed. They're frustrated, they're, they're angry at their lives, and they want to escape. And until you can solve that problem, and that's not something you can just do in, you know, two weeks or two years or whatever, you have to change serious economic circumstances. We have to actually try freedom in order to give these people potential at a better life. Because uh, things aren't looking bright. More coming up. It's Free Talk Live. talk live it's free talk live you can join the show and you can bring up absolutely anything you want we'll kick off the third hour here the number is 603-283-6160 at 603-283-6160 here with you tonight it's ian and chris we're gonna go back to your phone calls and thoughts but just to bring you up to speed if you're just tuning in uh, the most recent topic we were discussing is Donald Trump seems to be signing on board with the escalation of the war on drugs mentality that we're starting to see from more and more Republican uh, candidates out there which is very disturbing. Uh, they're not they're not realizing the failure of this particular government program you know how the Republicans like to tout themselves as quote-unquote small government and quote-unquote free market. No, when you ask them about, oh, you're for free markets, aren't you? They'll say, oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, how about drug legalization? How about we allow a free market in drugs? Oh, no, we can't do that. Oh, it's dangerous. Danger-. Somebody might actually get high. Yeah. You know, like, <laughs> As though that's not happening right now. As though have you ever gotten
1: high before? Because it's the, not that
0: dangerous. Well, I mean, mm, a, well, at least not like
1: you know the weed and and stuff.
0: Yeah, that's true. Uh, but you know what? Dangerous things happen every day, mm. and uh, one of the most dangerous things you can do is get behind the wheel of a car and drive to work, for instance. Yep. So uh, people take risks all the time, and free people should be free to take risks. Which is funny because a lot of Republicans understood this during COVID. They understood the idea of you own your own body, at least when it came to the COVID vaccinations, right? There was plenty of Republicans. We were out protesting with some of them out in front of the, the governor's the house. The majority of them were Republicans. <laughs> yeah, well, absolutely. Uh, I don't know if it was the majority of Republicans, but the majority of the protesters were, yeah, re- sure. were Republicans, that's for sure. And so, like, yeah, oh, they, they totally understood your body, your choice when it came to vaccinations, but they don't understand it when it comes to abortion, and they mm-hmm. don't understand it when it comes to drug use. So they have no consistency. They have no principles whatsoever. And if you think I'm picking on the Republicans too much, the Democrats are just as bad. Oh, geez.
1: We pick on the, uh, the, the, the Democrats, I think, more than we pick on the Republicans.
0: I don't know. Maybe we... I don't know. But... There's plenty of drug warrior Democrats too. It's not like the it's not like the Democrats you know, own an, uh, you know ending the they, drug war. They don't care the, about ending the drug The problem. Drug is that the parties are so similar? They yeah, both they do a lot of the same
1: stuff. It's like war. They both are both war Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, you know the the Democrats might not be out in your face about it as much, but they are these days. They, yeah, well,
0: the Democrats are all about Ukraine and so now now that the Democrats right, are all about right. are all about war in Ukraine, now the Republicans are starting to sound like they're anti-war. But you don't have to <laughs> listen long before you hear them advocating what we're talking about, which is actually starting a new war mm. in Mexico against drug cartels. I mean, this is this is the most insane idea yet when it comes to the war on drugs. This is absolutely insane. And thankfully, you're, you told us earlier, Chris, that apparently the Pentagon has warned against doing this. Yeah, said repeatedly they would, for decades. Yeah, that they would rather not uh, do something like this because it's an insanely bad idea that's going to have all kinds of blowback and, and negative consequences. Let's go to the phone. So we got uh, Ricky on the line in Pennsylvania. You're on Free Talk Live. Go ahead, Ricky.
5: Thank you, dear, brother. Ian, is that brother Chris is you there? It is. All right, brother. Well, I got serious issues is with the Donald. Donald J. Trump. The J stands for jackass, no doubt. Now, I hope the Donald's listening to the Ricky from the Commonwealth. I'm going to tell him a few things. I've been a chronic caller on this show for years. I've been smoking weed since I was 15. But I'll say this. Between 2015 and 2016, my thing was Crystal. And I was using Crystal... Really? Two, yeah, two lines a day, maybe other, every other day or so. I was flying when I called in this show. Now, <laughs> it's 2017 oh, is even better. That was my best year as a Confederate Democrat. I called in. I deliberately was high every single call on cannabis. Damn. Now, that being said, you see, the problem here is big pharma's drugs. We have 8% of the world population use 80% of the drugs, namely antidepressants, antipsychotics, Mm -hmm. and opiates. Now, on to fentanyl, you know, 14 years ago, I talked to junkies who were taking a needle, sticking it into a 100-milligram fentanyl patch, and injecting it. Now, the Donald don't seem to have a problem with that, but not only weed, but at least quality product when it comes to crystal are both much safer than them. Now, I don't want to sound like a hypocrite i drink alcohol i like my rolling rocks and my bourbon but you know okay. what alcohol i'm not even talking heavy abuse i'm talking a little more than moderate you're getting drunk regularly all it does is deaden brain cells temporarily that's it that's how alcohol. Uh, i don't know if
0: it's well, temporary man i mean i've seen some well, long time, time you know
5: what happens is over time with alcohol it's they will deaden those same brain cells over and over again, and then they won't regenerate.
0: That's uh, what happens. Yeah. I, I, you're like, you, you see some older people that you can tell they have drank way too much for way too long, and there ain't <laughs> no coming back.
5: Well, they get that bloated thing going, too. You yeah, know? they, get, they the get the red face, too. Page. You can always tell. You know, I mean, I've had it. I mean, I've had it with the Donald. He's going to execute people. Now, once he starts executing drug dealers, how long is it going to take before he... Starts executing people that are responsible. Enjoy quality weed and quality
0: crystal for using that. State I don't archive. think he would uh, he would go that far. I mean, because he's he, going
5: to publicly execute
0: drug dealers. Well, it's tough That's talk. That's not much of a stretch. It's tough <laughs> talk, know? Ricky. It's, it sounds like he's... Well, uh, he
5: seems to have a personal issue with this. I mean, this, doesn't he remember the war on drugs with Nancy Reagan? Sure. There's no war on drugs. That's thought that used to be his big role model. Has he forgotten that?
1: You know what he wants you to know? do is turn this country into a um, a Christian Saudi Arabia.
5: Oh, mm. God. That's, I was talking about the Christian nationalism before. Screw this. You know, people have the right to either be a Christian or not. That's the way constitutionality works. It works both well ways, Donald.
1: You know. And that's when when the you say Christian Saudi Arabia, Donald,
0: Chris, you mean high restriction as far as uh, chemical substances. And uh, I is that what you do mean?
1: believe that Saudi Arabia executes uh, drug dealers. I think you're right. Or, I'm sorry, that. anybody who.
0: They can, you get caught with caught drugs, you're in with trouble. with drugs, yeah. I don't know if you'll get executed, but you'll be in big trouble, right? I
1: think they execute anybody coming in with drugs, at least <laughs> at a minimum, yeah. So. Wow.
0: Ricky, any other comments on that? Go ahead.
1: Well, one thing to anybody listening
5: to Free Talk right? I mean, it hasn't stopped now, drugs going into no, Saudi Arabia not. either, by the way,
0: well, just, <laughs> just to clarify out,
5: that. Here, just, well, here, just check out the archives. All throughout 2017, every night. I called in, I was on quality, a little Jamaican red, little purple, haze, nice and green, high every single time. That was my best year. <laughs>
0: Thanks for the call tonight, Ricky. I appreciate it. Let's talk to Sarah in New Mexico. You're on Free Talk Live. Go ahead, Sarah.
5: Um, I wonder,
6: what's the point of the call? Did he have a purpose? I, you know, so most of these callers, they just ramble on. <laughs>
0: Well, Ricky is a bit of a rambler, that is true, but I think that uh, the purpose of his call was to lambast Donald Trump for his uh, anti-war or his pro-war on drugs position. And which makes me wonder about you. Yeah, uh, I was thinking the same thing. That's
1: a really funny statement coming from you.
0: Yeah, I mean, well, Sarah, I mean, what do you think about this? You you've been advocating crackdowns on drugs before, right? Like uh, you want to take cigarettes out Uh, you want to, you know, prohibit people from smoking at bus stops and things like that. You seem to be in favor of the war on drugs. Is that right?
6: Um, actually, you know, the more I think about it, I'm in favor of those, those, uh, drug, um, homes since they explained it. Mm -hmm. Remember, I was in favor of it where you do, and then they monitor you. So if you almost die, they rescue you. I'm kind of in favor of it, but I. You talking about I like a when you say them.
0: a drug home? Are you talking about like a recovery place where people live and they're monitored? Is that the idea?
6: No, like in Europe, they have a place to do drugs, and then they if you if it gets out of hand, oh. they will rescue
0: you. You mean like an injection so, site, I, a safe yeah, injection like site? Yeah, like
6: that. And mm-hmm. I I kind of am, am supportive of that since I heard their argument. But I really, that, okay, um, well that's that's yeah.
0: good news, Sarah. I'm glad to hear that you've changed. Your position on this? So, do you well, think I just that go back and forth? Okay, okay. You know but, what I mean, I just, okay, but just to be clear, I, a little I, I bit
1: of execution, like a little good. bit of, <laughs> of re- rehab, but mix the two together, you switch them up every once in a while. So, let me make sure. Maybe I'm, kill uh,
0: some of the rehabbers. Let me make sure I'm following you here, sir. You think there no, could you uh, be? I, I do.
6: Huh? I don't know about being a, a this whole war against the drug part mm-hmm. of it, but I think that there should be a, a knowledge that. It should be discouraged that the drugs are harmful, and that's why I'm in support of the drug, alcohol, drug rehab programs. Do you an use any drugs substance.
1: personally, Sarah? Are you, do you ever take Advil?
6: No, I, I don't Tylenol? take any of that stuff.
0: How about alcohol? No,
6: because well, I, I drink a little bit uh, here. I, okay, I don't. So drink a hard drug. I just,
0: she's a hard drug user, Chris. She drinks alcohol. Now, when you say oh, you drink a little, no, I, you, I
6: don't. I don't drink any of it. I I, I thought you said a little um, bit. I just. No, I used to, I thought that was good, and I don't even drink any of it. I don't drink any alcohol. So you used to drink alcohol,
0: but you've quit drinking alcohol.
6: I I drink a little bit here and there, but it wasn't. I don't. I I just never. Wait, wait, had I just a want to see what you,
0: I'm clarifying here. You drink a little bit here and there, or you've drank, you have drunk, previously.
6: Um. Just with the meals in here when was the um, last time
0: you had an alcoholic (laughs) beverage
6: just maybe a sip maybe about five months ago
0: just a sip sip. who drinks a sip of
1: alcohol (laughs) of any kind of alcohol like if you instead a shot okay yeah yeah but a sip
0: one sip Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you sure you didn't drink the whole bottle
6: calling about today the the
7: the By the way, good Berkeley for you, Sarah. County if Commission. it's true that
0: you've actually quit drinking alcohol, it's good for you. I mean, I'm glad to. I'm glad to hear it. I quit back in uh, 2021, I think it was. So yeah, I'm with, I'm well, with you. I'm with
6: you. I never was a drinker. I I never just I just take had a sip here and there, and um, but I didn't do nothing for me. Then. Okay,
0: all right. What else? Yeah, well, uh, you
1: might I, need a little bit more than a sip if you wanted to do something for you. All right, what else you got, Sarah?
6: So, a uh, Vernon County uh, Commission. I've got two electric cars. They got two electric cars and now they're encouraging the the workers to ride buses and ride bicycles back and forth to work. This is one of the things they want you to do to save um um fuel. You know what I mean? So, so they're, they're encouraging the just regime. to
0: clarify, you're saying they're encouraging county workers, the county government employees to take a bus?
6: That's correct. They're encouraging them since they got these two, all all electric cars for the county commission. Now now they're encouraging employees to take the bus. So the county commissioners get
0: the electric car to drive around, but the other employees (laughs) have to take the bus?
6: Well, it's an encouragement. What are they doing? How are are they encouraging them?
0: Are they incentivizing it somehow?
6: I mean... No, it was announced. It was announced that a news. So they're not like uh, going to give them
0: a bonus or something like that, or you know, get, somehow incentivize them to take the bus. They're maybe just saying, paying for their bus ticket. They're just saying, "Hey, you guys, we think you should take the bus." I
6: I, I don't know what the incentive is. I I wonder if they're going to get a gift right because card there's not much of an incentive to
0: take a bus on uh you know on its own. I mean, it's generally an unpleasant experience for a lot of people. So like well, you'd yeah, have to. I
6: did, I a really good it good um the incentive like you said if they do ride a, a bus back and forth that uh, they would give them five dollars a day or something to their paycheck you know what I mean if they could prove that they did I mean that's gonna be the hard difficult
1: part how just just buy just the, the bus ticket conscience? or something
0: how often do the buses <laughs> come along in uh, Albuquerque is it like every five minutes every 15 minutes what's the uh, frequency?
6: Um, Monday through Friday, it's uh, pretty good. You know, it's okay, unless they don't have a bus driver or they don't show. They just skip an hour. They're short of bus drivers. But you didn't answer my question. How
0: often is it? Is it once an hour? Once every fifteen minutes? I mean, you take the Uh, bus. You don't you know? Like
6: uh, Monday through every every thirty minutes, depending on what route. Central and San Mateo, you get more buses, but the other route you get every
0: 30 minutes every 30 minutes all right it's not very Uh frequent i mean that's kind of it's kind of inconvenient right it can become really inconvenient um if you have to transfer too. um i haven't done a whole lot of
1: Mm -hmm. bus riding but i was in san diego and yeah i mean it take you an hour to get across san diego well
0: i mean it might take you an hour to get across san diego anyway right is the traffic Uh, really good there
1: no that's pretty bad but um even like like that's probably like
0: it's worse. It'll if, be worse. Yeah, it'll us. be way worse because you're stopping constantly. Yeah, and, you
1: know. yeah, yeah. It's uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, if you, I mean, if you think about it, taking forty minutes, you know, it takes you two hours. You know.
0: Thank you, Sarah, for the call tonight. Let's go on to Cynthia. She's in California. Cynthia, you're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Chris.
7: Yeah, I'm actually in San Francisco.
0: I'm sorry to hear um, about that. How how are things in San Francisco?
7: <laughs> well, um, mostly the street people are uh, friendly and mm. um, courteous. And a few are, are totally out of control, mm. and we have trouble getting the police to pick them up timely to do something about it.
0: Now, do you live in um, downtown San Francisco, or what part of San Francisco are you in?
7: Oh, I'm in uh, uh, the Polk Gulf area. Um, that's uh, not lower Knob Hill.
0: Yeah, and, I'm not um, really familiar with the geography. Is that yeah, considered I, to be had, a good area of town or not so much?
7: Yes, yes, but frankly there's a, a lot of unhoused people up here too. Really? And uh, a lot of screaming and yelling at night, but oh not a lot of violence. So, okay. but I want to I'm a retired physician and um I used to own a minor emergency, so I'm used to dealing with people who come in with pain problems. Mm-hmm. And I want to explain that the federal government has uh, handicapped Trump in the sense that They have um, consistently suppressed useful information and substances that physicians could have been using. For example, the feds made ibogaine illegal. Mm -hmm. You know about ibogaine?
0: Yeah, yeah. we've we've heard a lot about it. Uh, Oh, ibogaine is the uh, uh, psychedelic substance, right?
7: Right. It uh, takes, what, about two or three days, and then they get about six months that they're free of a desire Mm -hmm. to take narcotics.
0: Yeah, it's a very right. power, a very powerful medicine, but, I mean, Trump isn't advocating to legalize that. He's talking no, about no, increasing the war on drugs.
7: If they had legalized it, if, if they hadn't made it illegal, then physicians would have gotten skilled at using it, mm-hmm. and we'd have probably far fewer addicted people. Oh, I, I don't disagree with you on that. I'm not sure and, what that has to do with Donald thing, Trump,
0: though. I mean, he's the, he's the one talking well, no, about increasing he, the war on drugs.
7: He, that's because he may have seen no other options. But military well, action.
0: That's ridiculous because uh, they're How about the, just legalizing what yeah, you're the, talking about. The option is to end the violence and to legalize the drugs, and then you solve almost all of the problems literally within, you know, nights, within days. With the stroke of a pen. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I,
7: I, I see this situation from a physician's perspective, which is that you take away their uh, narcotics. And they're going to be in a great deal of pain. Yeah, sure. A great deal of pain. And, and then they'll end up on another drug. Than, and we can use Kratom, right? Mm-hmm. Kratom to help break that addiction. And the feds tried to make that illegal few years ago. And there was a huge pushback and they had to back off.
0: I mean, you've but talked about people- the people that are in the streets there in San Francisco. I mean, these are people that are using illegal drugs, right? Right. yeah and they got and, all the illegal it, drugs they, they need to get and they get high and they get in in some cases in in your way and they get dangerous and they uh, you know or they're peeing in the streets or, or you know dropping a deuce here and there or whatever and it's pretty gross isn't it
7: um, yes yes it is
0: yeah so it the way is, you solve that if, problem if is them, not by making drugs more illegal listen, is you end you the war on they, drugs so they can so they can get cheaper and uh, then more people can afford the drugs well, and then they get better I, drugs. I, I,
7: I think on the on the prior show somebody brought, somebody mentioned the fact that you could actually give them morphine and it would be cheaper and safer to you have could, that you could. administered
0: Yeah if it was legal and, if it was legal to do that but unfortunately right, it's right, it's right, not Right right
7: so that's how I'm saying Trump has been handicapped all Trump isn't handicapped. He's
0: out there calling for more uh, arrests. He's calling for more uh, crackdown and uh, the death penalty for somebody who sells and some uh, right, morphine. Right, right.
7: He's, he's, he's upping the ante because these other options have been withheld.
0: Are you acting position. like Trump has never heard <laughs> of drug legalization?
7: Um, well, he may never have heard of it in a positive manner.
0: I mean, maybe, I guess. Uh, I mean, the odds think, that he could get the, to age 74 as a politician who goes to campaign stops and talks to a bunch of people. He's never heard of the idea think, of legalizing drugs. That's hard I, to believe. I, don't, it's, I, don't, I mean, think, buy it. Think, it's in the newspaper. It's not like this is something ad- that's secret.
7: Think about all the bad advice he got from the nation's leaders re- regarding COVID and vaccinations.
0: <laughs> LRN.FM. Cynthia, I understand oh, that it's uh, it's frustrating to you, and I, I will let you have a second crack here. I just need to make sure our dump machine is all set. So, look, you can't say that on, on broadcast radio, okay? Oh, so,
7: I, I didn't know that was considered a forbidden word. Yeah,
0: so just be careful. Okay. Um, but oh. I, I just—you're saying here, you, you're one of these people, it sounds like, that just makes excuses for Donald Trump, as though he's just no. this dummy who uh, is constantly being manipulated by the people around him, the very people that he claimed he was going to D.C. to drain the swamp of, and then didn't.
3: I,
7: I'm just speaking from a common sense approach to how I would have done it when I was in practice. There's, there's all kinds of additional information. For example, Roundup is now shown to affect the brain in mammals. Roundup, them up the weed to be killer? Risk for addiction.
0: The weed killer? Roundup?
7: Yes. And it's in all the grain products. It's in the rice. It's in you name it. They've been loading it with that. And what it does is it sets up their brain for addiction. So maybe they need to take that stuff off the market. Because one thing addicts do is they load up on sweet pastries. And, and between the sugar, which has ground up in it, and the wheat flour, which has Roundup in it, and the wheat itself.
0: See, here's the thing, Cynthia. Here a- you are calling to make another prohibition. You're saying... We can help the addicts by prohibiting this other product, and I understand the cr- well, Ra- the critiques Ra- Ra- of Roundup. I get should it. Should
7: never have been approved. It should never been approved in the first place.
0: Well, no, that's the thing.
7: It's a synthetic uh, compound, and it damages the brain.
0: I, I look, hey, I get the critiques of Roundup. I understand Monsanto, bad news, big you know, big oh, corporate yeah. uh, mega food or whatever. I, I understand all the critiques, but I do not support violence as the solution. And when you say something should be banned, you are saying that someone should be threatened with violence if they do a thing, right? That's what you're talking about.
7: Well, I'm saying that they should never have licensed them to produce that substance. So that's another because... way
0: of saying if <laughs> someone were to produce the substance without a license, then somebody would do violence against them, right?
7: I, I'm I'm saying no farmer would use it if they knew that people would boycott their products.
0: Well, now
1: that would be a well, mark- that's that might be a good solution to the problem yeah. then. Why don't you boycott start a boycott of the products? Because
7: because we only found out just several years ago that without our knowledge, they started applying it to the wheat crops. It was never approved for the wheat crops, but they started applying it as a method of causing the grain to mature faster and give them a few more pennies of profit, supposedly. Yeah. Yeah. But, but can you hear me?
0: We, oh, we, we hear you we, fine. But what you pointed wait. out here is a market-based solution, which is a boycott and an awareness campaign, advertising, letting people know of a you know a thing that you think is a bad idea. That's a much better idea than going and using the guns of government and the violence of the state to try to construct rules that are just mandates that are going to be backed with violence to try to sculpt society in the way that you want. Thank you for the call tonight, Cynthia. I do appreciate it. Uh, the number here, if you want to join the show, it's 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. We got plenty of time for you if you want to join us. Uh, coming up, we talked about Chicago, we talked about California, and now New York City is the latest nightmare. Uh, in this case, it's an attack against Airbnb and people who just want to rent a room in their house temporarily. We'll talk about it coming up. It's Free Talk Live. open if you want to join the show number 603-283-6160 at 603-283-6160 join us online head over to freetalklive.com and enjoy the features we have waiting for you there all of them are for free archives going back for many years different social media options like social.freetalklive.com that is our mastodon system which was recently updated to version four point whatever it is uh, i wasn't version three now it's version four i don't know what they changed still looks like mastodon to me maybe they fixed some bugs <laughs> Not a wanted features so apparently perhaps uh, perhaps but yeah people were asking for that so we got that done uh you can go check that out over at social.freetalklive.com it's a way to get interactive with other free talk live listeners People that appreciate decentralization and more freedom to express yourself because you still don't have that on the centralized platforms. We give a lot more freedom of expression over at social.freetalklive.com. So be sure you get over there and uh, get interactive. Also, uh, I want to say thanks to Kat Cooper, who is a Free Talk Live supporter of our AMPS program, Kat. Is a silver level supporter, meaning that Kat is doing five bucks a month to the AMPS program. AMPS stands for Advertise, Market, Promote, and Support. It's a way to get behind what we do here on Free Talk Live uh, to help introduce more people to the ideas of freedom on more great radio stations all around the country. If you appreciate the work that we do, you can join Kat over there at amps.freetalklive.com for as little as five bucks a month, and you can help us with our mission here. That's AMPS. Dot freetalklive.com. You know, since we're talking about the war on drugs, Chris, and we just had uh, somebody who said she was a doctor previously on the show talking about the insane drug war policies out there. I had an update on a story. I don't know if you were on this show, Chris, but uh, it's been some months, I think, since we covered the story. It was about ketamine. Where Don't know that it was. Yeah, so the story was about this doctor. Uh, in South Carolina, who had built a nationwide practice, this story from the Washington Post, this is an update, uh, built a nationwide practice prescribing ketamine for patients to use at home, notified uh, recently that he's been told he has to stop. Now, what these patients were using this for was things like PTSD, severe depression, major, major, like, psychological kind of issues. And they were finding that the uh, ketamine was very, very helpful to them in this this particular form of treatment. But ketamine is also a scheduled narcotic substance with the DEA, and so it's while it's not, I don't think on Schedule One, uh, it is on the drug schedule. I'm not familiar with exactly which uh, location it is, but it's prohibited. Right, like you're not allowed to just have ketamine, hmm. um, but you can have it under the certain controlled circumstances by uh, prescribed by a doctor, but. What had happened with this guy, and they probably get into it, is he was uh, during COVID able to expand his practice due to telemedicine. I don't know if you're familiar with the telemedicine.
1: Oh, thing. is this that guy? Maybe we did.
0: I may have been on the yeah. show when we covered this. I would think we might have because yeah. uh, you know I like to hold drug issues for nobody nights when nobody's with us here. Yeah, on yeah, Free Talk yeah. Live. Um, and now they're after him. Uh, federal uh, DEA contacted him. He says this is his name is Scott Smith. He's from Mount Pleasant, South Carolina. He emailed his patients the very same day when he got the notice saying, "quote My privileges to prescribe controlled substances have been suspended until further notice. Practice has been closed immediately per DEA instruction." According to several messages reviewed by the Washington Post, he wrote in an email, "quote I'm quite." in quite a bit of shock about this <laughs> because this guy he's not a drug dealer he's not yeah. he's not like some. i mean but di- I, okay <laughs> this doesn't
1: surprise me right yeah. like this is typical government you know right um somebody is actually being successful at doing something and helping people. and helping people yeah. oh no, no no we can't have that we got to shut that down Yep, that's exactly We need those, you know, uh users to be addicted to heroin and all sorts of other uh, you know, substances so that we can throw them in jail so that, you know, the uh the the um, uh, uh prison industrial complex can make a dollar and the uh, the law enforcement, the sheriff organization, you know, can, you know, pocket more money in and say we need more law enforcement and we need more law enforcement tools and, you know, it- so we can go after doctors. Yeah. Right. So you have to right after the people
0: who are actually uh, potentially able to help you. Yes. And he had been helping people and he had a process in place to make sure that he wasn't just dealing with drug addicts that were looking for the ketamine. He had a system that would ferret those people out. And he was very successful in making sure that he's dealing with really like needy people who actually are looking for help with their serious mental problems. And he's a longtime physician. He was the subject of a Washington Post story in 2022. He obtained licenses to practice medicine in almost every U.S. state, capitalizing on pandemic-era telehealth flexibilities that enabled him to prescribe ketamine nationally. Smith tapped into a deep well of need from patients looking for an alternative to antidepressants, emerging as an evangelist for prescribing ketamine as a, uh, to treat anxiety and depression, even though the drug hadn't been approved by the FDA for that purpose. Several of his patients had credited ketamine with saving their lives. You know, and, and something to point out is that this is not that unusual to
1: prescribe drugs off. Um, I'm trying to think what they call uh, it. Off, whatever the
0: intention is, yeah, yeah, yeah. off, off. Purpose? I can off. I yeah, yeah. It, I, there's I, probably some. There's term, like yeah. a
1: specific term I'm trying to think of, but it's basically off, off label. Off off label. That's okay. probably it. But um, off label. So yeah. you know, it's te- and and it's not. And that's the thing. Is like, it a gray area or something? It's not a gray area. No. It's just that they they when they do these, these um, you know, uh, the drug testing, you know, it's for a particular thing, right? But it may be that for a great example of this might be like something like uh, balding, right? Um, I think that originally mm-hmm. that was for like heart. The heart, or something.
0: Yeah, I know what you mean. they then they're experimenting with something for one yeah, reason, but they find out it doesn't. But they thing.
1: found yeah. out that it helps with hair, hair growing hair. Right. And so a doctor might have prescribed that for hair growth, as opposed to mm-hmm. you know what it was originally tested for.
0: And that's within their ability to do.
1: Something along those okay. lines, yeah. I, I don't know how much the, – there may be like some limits on how much they can do it
0: or something like that, but yeah, they they can. You have to wonder uh, whether I, the Washington Post feature story about this guy ended up sinking him because he got Oh, this for media sure. I, I'm sure it did. Um, and it brought him attention.
1: I, I've actually been off on um uh, – I've been on a drug. I can't remember what the drug was, but it was off-labor mm-hmm. or off-label.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, So, yeah, they can definitely do it. Smith's work and that of other at-home ketamine providers have been controversial among academics and psychiatrists who've questioned the wisdom of dispensing ketamine, a tightly regulated drug with a history of recreational abuse, to patients outside the direct supervision of a healthcare professional. Smith didn't respond to messages seeking comment uh, recently. The Drug Enforcement Administration also didn't provide comment. Dylan Savage, 28-year-old industrial equipment executive in New York, said he had his follow-up appointment with Smith's office Tuesday morning when he renewed his prescription for ketamine tablets. But barely an hour after Smith sent his notice to patients, the pharmacy said it would refund Savage rather than fill his prescription. He spent most of the night searching Reddit for other ketamine providers, he said, and is worried that Smith shutting down will put suicidal patients at risk. He said, quote, DEA is going to have blood on their hands for pulling out the rugs so abruptly. Well, DEA's got a lot of blood on their hands, so I'm sure they won't even notice. Word of Smith's closure came the same day the DEA extended the ability to prescribe controlled substances by telehealth for six months. As it works to craft new regulations on prescribing those drugs virtually virtually. The ability to prescribe these medications without seeing patients in person was introduced during the pandemic and transformed the way many patients receive drugs from Adderall to opioid addiction drug buprenephrine. Anyway, ketamine in recent years has emerged as a promising treatment for people with severe depression, and a derivative of the compound has been approved by the FDA to treat depression under strict guidelines. Many patients, however, have their first experience through an off-label use of the drug. That's the term. Such as clinics that administer generic ketamine by infusion through an IV. Smith and a growing number of startups have brought ketamine into patient homes by prescribing it in the form of lozenges that dissolve under the tongue and can be obtained from compounding pharmacies. And this is something that we learned about in the original story was this is a more affordable way for these patients to get the drug that works for them, ketamine, by getting them through the mail in lozenge form. They can take them at home. The other way that they avoid by going through doctors like this is they have to go into this clinic and get an IV injection of this stuff. Yeah. I mean that's a huge invasive kind of way to take a drug and it's apparently also very very expensive because you're paying for the doctors, you know, clinic time and whatever the IV and the nurses and all the all these costs, right? Now you can just get the, the, the lozenge and then take it under the tongue and you're good to go. But now they're telling this doctor that he can no longer prescribe the drug. He had said previously that he had treated, uh, treated as many as 3,000 patients with ketamine, that more than half of them benefited and only two of them were looking to abuse the drug. In interviews, Smith was candid about the limitations of his virtual practice and how seriously he took the risk of misusing it. He said, quote, I can have my medical license taken away. I can be fined. I can do jail time for continuing to treat people, he said, uh, people who are abusing ketamine, that is. Still, he described his practice as a calling to help people in need. He said, I'm like a medic running around on the battlefield taking care of wounded people and ketamine helps the people I'm taking care of. So you gotta give the guy a lot of credit. He's was working in a high risk area of medicine, right? Some doctors they just won't even touch this stuff. Oh yeah. They don't want the risk of DEA coming in, raiding their clinic or shutting down their business, possibly even arresting them. So this guy was definitely like taking some level of risk, even though he was doing it legally by all evidence, but now they're telling him he can't do it anymore. And of course they're not commenting about it. So like what do you do about this? Do you sue? The DEA for you know the disgusting thing is that there are authorities out
1: there who are dictating to doctors how they're supposed to do medicine. Yeah, right.
0: Government like, bureaucrats. That's not how it should work. Uh patients such as Julie Minor Hackworth are now struggling to find a way to continue her therapy. She says, I was starting to experience positive, happy, joyful feelings, and now that has just been taken away. She's a 51 year old woman living in Kentucky. She said ketamine was, quote, profoundly better for her than antidepressants, describing the effect as, quote, immediate and obvious. And this, of course, is the reason why these drugs are not allowed. This is the reason why uh, mushrooms, MDMA, ketamine, you know, LSD, a lot of these drugs that are on the prohibited list are prohibited because they can actually have an immediate and profound effect. That's the word she used. Profoundly better. Immediate and obvious. These are effective drugs for the people who need them for various different problems. And they're more effective than the legal route. But that's bad for the pharmaceutical companies. Mm -hmm. That's That's a threat to the medical status quo. And so... Pfizer, or, you know, the other pharmaceutical manufacturers out there, these big mega corporations, they don't want to see these drugs turned legal because it will impact their ability to sell someone antidepressants to take for the rest of their lives. There's, uh, they've got
1: patents and they use those patents to make money. Big time. And uh, if they, you know, allowed these other drugs that, you know, (laughs) Or natural or at least were not patented, you wouldn't need these harsher drugs. Even
0: though they could sell those drugs, right? Like if ketamine were more legal Mm -hmm. and if it weren't controlled, it is quote unquote legal under certain circumstances. But if it weren't heavily controlled as it is... Then there could be ketamine at any pharmacy, at any Walgreens or whatever. And there's no reason why uh, Merck or uh, Pfizer or whoever couldn't manufacture ketamine and sell ketamine under whatever brand name. But they it would be to. it would be equivalent to them becoming a generic, which means they wouldn't be able to charge as much. They wouldn't be able to charge as much. And if it's as effective as these people say it is, that means people can cure their problem. Now I'm not saying everybody can, but we know that there are people who have had such profound impacts by these illegal drugs that they've actually done things like cured their PTSD and that's not what they really want they want you to be on their drug for the rest of your life they want you to be a lifetime customer taking their antidepressants every single day and paying them until you die and that's not as profit it's not as profitable if you just go and buy you know Half a year's worth of whatever treatments, and then you take the treatments with, uh, with a psychologist or something like that. You work out your problems, you address the root cause of the, the depression that whatever it is that happened to you, or the things that you're obsessing over, or whatever it is that is causing your depression, you make that, you, you address that, you deal with it, and then it goes away. And you can actually live a happy life without having to constantly adjust the chemical balance in your body with these drugs that's why they don't want these things to be legal not only is it not profitable and in the immediate term it's not profitable in the long term for them either let's go the phones here we got joe in maryland you're on free talk live go ahead joe joe in maryland going once joe in maryland going twice all right thank you for the try appreciate it the number here is 603-283-6160 so a little bit more from this story Uh, Adam Pruitt is a psychiatrist in Vermont. He's one of the few ketamine providers with Smith's uh, national reach. He said he'd heard from well over a hundred of Smith's patients since Tuesday afternoon and was trying to address the demand. He said, it's exceeded my capacity to respond to. Many patients gravitated to Smith for his business model, where they would generally pay $250 a month for a consultation and a supply of ketamine, plus whatever the compounding pharmacy charged for the uh, lozenges. That's far more affordable, said patients, than IV infusions that can run several hundred dollars per treatment, Wow! as well as packages that include coaching and therapy offered by at-home ketamine companies. It's not what I need, said another Smith patient, a researcher in Maryland, who spoke on the condition of anonymity because he's worried of the stigma associated with ketamine could complicate his ability to get a security clearance. (laughs) says, I need a routine of every three days, a dose that he would take under Smith's supervision. Uh, another man said in new he's uh, the executive in new york said everyone seems everyone else seemed like a money grab dr smith never once struck me as a money grab said the man in new york he said he's hopeful he can find a general practitioner to descri- uh, to prescribe ketamine pointing out that it is classified by the dea as less prone to abuse than adderall quote this is a medication that any doctor with a dea license could prescribe they don't Because most of the medical community is ignorant and fearful of it. And if they're not ignorant and fearful of ketamine itself, they're certainly fearful legitimately of the DEA. Mm. Because if the DEA decides that you are prescribing too much ketamine, or you've given this customer over here more than you should have. Or too many. I think what it really comes down to is if you are uh,
1: prescribing it to too, too uh too many of your customers, mm-hmm. right? And that actually makes a lot of sense that you would be prescribing it to a lot of customers if you're if that's your niche. If you're right, if that's your yeah, exactly. If it's working. Right. If for that's them.
0: what you're if that's what your specialty is. Right. So if you make this product your specialty, you basically get on the bad well, side of the it, DEA. It not it doesn't even necessarily have to be your specialty,
1: right? It's the it's these particular conditions that this this medication treats that you would be specializing mm-hmm. in.
0: And this is effective. And this is effective.
1: That's yeah. why you Yeah, yeah.
0: It's a it's a sad update. I'm I'm sorry to hear this about Dr. Smith there in South Carolina. I hope he can do something. I, I hope he can uh counter sue them. Not I, likely. It doesn't sound like there's any real reason that this has happened to them. Just you know, he sold ketamine. People were happy. We can't have that. We can't we can't have people being happy who are depressed. They need to be on permanent medication from Pfizer or, you know, some other drug corporation for the rest of their lives. I mean this the DEA needs to just disappear. They need to go away entirely. They do absolutely nothing of value. They destroy peaceful people's lives. They they're destroying this man's business. Okay. I mean, he's still a he's still presumably a doctor. So I, you know, he could probably go do other doctoring things, but this was what he was focusing on. They took away mm. his business from him. That's not to say he can't come back from this or that he's going to be in the poorhouse or anything like that. I, I suspect he'll be all right, but it's not okay what these people have done to him. Probably has to go back to general practice. Yeah, or whatever. Yeah. But it's not okay what they're doing. And, and this is, of course, a, an intimidation tactic as well because you know every other— doctor in the country that has prescribed ketamine again a lot of them just stay away from it because they don't want to get into these circumstances every other doctor they're going to hear through the you know the industry through friends or whatever they're going to hear about what happened to him and they're going to think twice now like okay do i really need to be doing this i got a family i got to put my kids through college i mean uh, i like helping my patients but i don't want to go to prison Mm. right so i mean there's going to be a there's probably going to be some other doctors that will slow down and or stop their prescribing of this simply because they don't want to be the next target so it's really it's really unfortunate uh, the DEA is getting in the way of people being helped people who are uh, who are having a better life now spiraling back down into whatever uh, depression that they were having before if you want to comment on this you're welcome to join us the number here is 603-283-6160. that's 603. Two eight three six one six zero, and again, this is something else that uh, that independence could solve.
1: Oh yeah, for sure,
0: instantly. Yeah, uh, we would be out from under the thumb of the DEA when New Hampshire, or, you know, if your state secedes, when you secede, no more DEA.
1: Yeah, the uh, New Hampshire uh, law is basically based on the federal. Uh, Uh, List. That's right. Yeah, the New Hampshire drug prohibition. By you know going independent, it would that would no longer that would be strucken from. It would literally
0: be the the same day. Yeah, like the war on drugs in New Hampshire would be over the moment we (laughs) seceded from the Mm -hmm. United States. Uh, Let's go to the phones here. Caller, you're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Chris. Go ahead.
5: Hey, this is Rusty from Portland.
0: Rusty, what's on your mind? So
5: I was. Have you heard about the Halt Fentanyl Act?
0: No, tell me about it.
5: Well. The Democrats and Republicans are finally working together. Bro. Oh,
0: boy, it's going to be bad.
5: <laughs> it's because Biden, who campaigned on ending mandatory minimums, he's like, I've reformed my ways since I was a drug warrior. Now he wants to institute new mandatory minimums for all <sighs> fentanyl related substances.
3: Ugh. Like, Gross. even if
5: it's an analog, like, designed to re- reverse fentanyl overdoses, that would apply to
0: that too.
1: You know, the crazy thing about that, too, is these people, uh, you know, they don't even know they're on fentanyl.
0: Uh, right. Some people do. Some people take it on purpose. Okay.
1: Well,
5: yeah. if you have if you have, grams of, of substance even related to fentanyl, they want to give you five years. So if it even has a little bit in it, yeah. you're
1: effed. Yeah, all, all I know is that, well, my understanding is that they're lacing other, other drugs with it. And
0: they've actually, yeah, yeah. they're not
1: even giving you what you think you're getting now because, well, it's really just fentanyl.
0: Yeah, the Halt Fentanyl Act according to uh, augustafreepress.com would schedule all current and future federal sorry, fentanyl analogs as schedule 1 drugs, which would put them at the level of heroin and marijuana, drugs that according to the federal government have no accepted medical use. I'm sorry to hear the news about that. Was there more you wanted to share? No, that was it. Thank you. Thanks for the call, dude. I appreciate it. That's an interesting point that uh, Joe Biden has gone back on his drug reformer ways and is now mm-hmm. going for you know mandatory minimums and crackdowns on this stuff. It's the insanity of the war on drugs just continuing again. they've got the new target in the 80s it was crack in the 90s it was meth or whatever mm-hmm. the odds and now it's fentanyl well they uh, he probably needs support from law enforcement and mm-hmm. the uh, and prison needs industrial- big money for them yep prison industrial complex. That's true. Uh, you know, any drug prohibition just means more prisoners flowing into the prisons, so they can be used for slave labor. Yep, and so on. But literal slave labor. People think that the United States
1: has got to abolish slave labor, but that's actually not true. Um, they did not abolish slave labor.
0: Um, there is an exception for prisoners. So, so yeah, this uh, this insane war on drugs continues on. I mean, you would think that we would be getting closer to this thing ending but it seems like while there may be a pullback in the area of marijuana, you know, we have seen more than 20 states i believe now have legal recreational cannabis. So, i mean, that should be applauded. I'm glad to hear that. I'm not glad that the government is in control of it now, that it's a government regulated, government taxed, government controlled situation. That's not good news. But it's still better that there aren't as many people going to prison for it and you know, that's i think overall that's it's been a better move than prohibition but you would think that you know ending the war on marijuana might lead to some more openness towards ending the war on all drugs and nah, it doesn't seem like that's the case people are just as insane about uh, going after fentanyl now as they've been at every other you know point in drug war history against some other drug
1: yeah you know you know what's unfortunate too is that we see this again and again and again where is if you have a you know you have a large uh, a large population you know whatever it is that's prohibited um, you know You legalize You know You get them supporting You know The legalization of X Of which A certain percentage Of that population Ends up You know Whatever the thing That's in most demand mm-hmm. And yeah. then it, That's it It's like But all those other people Who supported the legalization they don't they don't they don't have any positive impact as a result because it just stops because the the
0: majority have been they the, got what they wanted they got what they wanted yeah. yeah uh out of time for tonight check out chris on his show he does his own show it's called freedom decrypted go to freedom and you can tune into that online anytime podcast video excerpts video archives and of course live on saturdays we'll see hey, tomorrow talk for prickly people.